All right, it says we're going, so let's do this thing, ladies and gentlemen, and whatever else you identify as. Thank you for joining us for episode 113 of the No Podcast. We are No Outside Food or Drink, the Southeast premiere video game podcast. A lot of news to catch up on is two weeks worth. There was an Xbox One X event, which we alluded to last episode. Can't say last week. There was a Ghost of Tsushima state of play. Sony has revealed a PlayStation Studio branding, kind of bringing everything under the same umbrella. Tony Hawk 1 and 2 are getting a remaster. Epic Games has announced a new Unreal Engine. There is a new Paper Mario game coming out for your Nintendo Switch. A release date for the TurboGrafx-16 has been uh, updated. Mafia 1, 2, and 3 remasters have been announced. I and appreciate a your of... remastered on there. <laughs> I'm sticking with it, man. We made it a thing. <laughs> and two of the three of those are out. New games are coming to your Nintendo Online service, and there is a massive Nintendo sales figure update. We like looking at these. I'm Richard Bergman, joined tonight by Cesar Concepcion II. Good evening. Thank you for joining, sir. Thank you for having me. Apologies to listeners for uh, being out last week. There was life getting in the way as as it's happening. Hopefully when all this stuff uh, is over with, we are on a much more consistent schedule, but we'll try to get you stuff when we can. Yeah, the tunnels between our houses have not been built yet, so uh, ease of access to uh, convene is not there yet. The channel, I think, is what they refer to it as. I guess that works. Yeah, yeah, it does. I was, I was trying to think of a body of water that would uh, we can build a tunnel under, but there's nothing in between our houses. So We actually share Indian Creek at this point. Cool. I just, uh, I'll get a horse, I'll ride my horseback, and <laughs> just follow Indian Creek. And then we'll do uh we'll create content that way. Yeah. We'll have yeah. to change. We won't yeah. be no outside food or drink anymore. Be outside and camping. Speaking of riding a horse, are you gonna mention your cowboy simulator later on? Hey, I I finished it, so that's what we're talking about. Yeah. Now I've been doing a pirate simulating. <laughs> See you thieves. Yeah, how'd you know? <laughs> they got cats now, did you hear? <laughs> Have you had any inkling, like any temptation to, to dip back into Sea of Thieves? What's sad is that uh, we got that full version, and I think we bought it on the, I can't remember where we bought it cheap on uh, Gamefly or something like that, but I think all played was on that beta. I've never played the actual full retail release. I have not think? played one second of full release, like 1.0 Sea of Thieves. Full release. But um, <laughs> I think out of all of us, it was just Russell, right? He, he put in probably... 100 hours in that thing. He stuck with it. Man, we were doing the... It wasn't even a beta then. It was like a... What was that? Like a stress test? Or it was early access, wasn't it? It was us killing skeletons and <laughs> doing the same map over and over again. <laughs> Cinnamon beard. Dude, to me, that was the best gameplay, was getting hook, unhooked from those servers and having our ships just start flying through the air. <laughs> we literally played it from the time it went live to when they, whenever they would pull the plug on those sessions. Yeah. We had our fill with that. I still have. I'm like you. I have no. It's like uh, it's like me and uh, Animal Crossing. I don't think I've logged in Animal Crossing in the last week. Mm. I think I'm. I think I might be done for a while. I might. I might eventually get back in there, but I'm like. I haven't had an inkling to go back. So it's, it's been like two I, weeks for me. It's like I got out of the ecosystem. Like I'm out. There's other yeah. games. I'm like finally. When my kids started asking about it every day, and so my limited game time turned into them 
begging to play Animal Crossing, and then I just have to sit there and babysit as I like I read them all the scripts and everything. Yeah. It's like nope, it's too early for them. They had their fun with it. They sent we sent letters back and forth. We had a good time with that, but I, I it's a full time job to <laughs> to walk two kids through Animal Crossing. I can't do it because as much as the older one likes it, the youngest one immediately picked up everything, like all the controls, the shovel. Um, changing like the slingshot, everything immediately. I was amazed. I forgot yeah. to tell you about that before. I'm like, okay, you got that just by watching me or what? How did this happen? The youngest one must be built more for gaming. She got it, man, right off the rip. Yeah. She I mean, it. as many hours she put in the that 3DS, I, I believe it. That is. They have. That's probably the. That's easily the number one game on that 3DS. I'll have, have to put in about 200 more hours to pass my system settings on mine. She may put in more hours than that than the oldest one for you. I always see her on there more. So They love Mario Land. They do. All right, we're ready to get into news, sir. Yes, sir. I got my, my background blurred. I'm ready. There we go. Yeah. How do I do mine? Do I need to do that? Is that our official news uh, blur your backgrounds? Well, mine backs up to a wall, so you literally won't see shit. There. Oh, yeah. Blurry. Oh, better. Yeah, what's hanging in the background of mine? We don't know. Could be a jacket. Could be skeleton. I don't know. It looks like a jacket, sir. It doesn't look it, like a skeleton. It's definitely a jacket. Skeleton. I don't know why it came up. Maybe because I'm stuck on uh, Sea of Thieves. Didn't change anything. Well, I can like you blurred your hand and then it unblurred. It's weird. Okay, so the background is literally eight inches behind my head. I rebuilt the studio. I sent you a picture of the setup. What do you think? It looks good. Yeah, I forgot to respond. It's uh, um, no, you're good. We have a new table. I went and found us a table and chairs since our old one got yanked I, for our I new. Was, uh, I wasn't sure what to think of it because I saw that uh, you have like devices all over the place instead of a main one. <laughs> I had devices all over the place. Yeah. I mean, like, look, look at it. Look at it. It's like you have like a laptop here, and then you have an iPad here, and then. Hey, that's for uh, that's for recording tonight. This isn't the full time setup. This is because we're I, having to Skype record still. Hey, man, I'm I'm with it. I'm down with it. <laughs> I just saw I just saw Apex Legends for five ninety nine. I was like, yeah, it's free. I'll pay five ninety nine. That's what I was I was in here buying real quick. <laughs> Where's Apex <laughs> Legends? Oh, it's on Amazon. Hey, yeah. five ninety nine. I've gotten six dollars worth out of that. So uh, the missus thought our Amazon account had been hacked because I bought real fishing for ten dollars. <laughs> Did you see that one? Oh, the one with the... It's always that joke with the pole. The Natsume Switch yeah. game? Mm. I don't know how to hold my pole. It's always me. I was like, oh, God. The sexual window windows in there. Yes. Yeah, $5.99. We got, we got $6 out of that, right? Um, You're like me, man. I'm like, I look at something. I like that that Penn & Teller one uh, was on sale for like $14. And I looked at it. I was like, yeah, I don't know if I would pay $14 for this, but $10 will be all over this. And that whole thread just went to comedic goal because they're like look who publishes it and they're like gearbox and it's like yeah it makes sense because you know randy pitcher pitchford is a magician so of course he would have pen and teller and uh his uh game publishing skills and thumb drives at medieval at medieval times yeah some dude got in there he got real into it he's like man i'm so mad that this guy likes the same hobby as me pissed that's like the dude was like pissing that thread I don't think like Randy Pitchford as a person is like souring the whole magic industry. I don't I, think he's destroyed I, it. I, I think the whole USB thing that guy's like it keeps him up at night. He was in that thread like motherfucker. 
Okay, so what hobby? USB thumb drives, medieval times, or magicians? Which which one? Uh, I think the whole fact that he did all that as a magician. <laughs> Isn't that game based on like a canceled Sega CD game or something? There's a know. story behind that Penn and Teller VR game. I always see people asking if the Desert Bus is included with it. That's like <laughs> one question. <laughs> Maybe that's it. Uh, all right. We didn't get off on any tangent, did we? Yeah. Yeah. We were starting news, I think. All right. So right before or right after last week's episode, we knew it was coming up and we kind of vaguely hinted at it when uh, a friend of the show, CJ. Thank you, CJ, again for joining us. We had a good time with you. Uh, I think we're going to do the guest guest host thing again in the future, right? Yeah, I liked it. I that liked went it. really well. Yeah. It was good having uh, another voice on there. Better than uh, me complaining and bitching about stuff. Hey, that's what we're back to now, so you get what you pay for. <laughs> no, if you uh, listeners, if you're interested in, in calling in and participating with us now, is a great time to join a Skype call, and you know we'll, we'll put you through a little training process, and kind of you're probably aware of our flow and what we go over and see what you bring to the table. Yep. Down with this. Uh, anyways, back to news again. Uh, there was a Xbox Series X like special event coming up. So I don't I don't really want to be like a Debbie Downer on this event, but I was really excited for it, and they showed us some pretty cool new IP, but it was almost all like pre-rendered stuff. Like we didn't see any real gameplay. Mm-hmm. And then after the fact, like the couple games that I was excited about, uh, one that jumps out, like the first thing they showed off, like all right. They've been building this up. Guys, you're going to have Xbox One X or Series X. I'm going to say One X forever. Guys, you're going to see Xbox Series X uh, gameplay. The first game they lead off with is called uh, Bright Memory. And I'm looking at it. I'm like, this is awesome. This looks like a like a next generation Red Steel or something. Like, I'm, I'm just checking this out. Like, I can't believe this. This is awesome. It looks amazing. It's on Steam right now. Yeah. The I'm sorry, Bright Memories on Steam, and when Infinite comes out, you'll be upgraded. And it's $10 on Steam. So this is the first thing they showed off. And then... What, um, what's funny well, is I, that wasn't the first time I've seen that, because I I actually jumped on that deal on Steam a month before, because somebody had posted, like, hey, because it was in early access, like because I think I paid $5 in early access, and they're like, yeah. hey, you automatically get this version when it upgrades. So I was like, all right, I'll do it. And I bought it on Steam literally like almost two months ago. So as soon as I showed the video, I knew what it was. Right. So I was like, and it's one person that made this game, and this is yeah. what the conf- this is what it led off with. Now we knew there was going to be no Halo. We knew we weren't going to see a Forza game. We knew there wasn't going to be a Gears game. So there was that expectation. But then the one thing we did know going in, and Ubisoft had backed it up, was we were going to see Assassin's Creed Valhalla. And they kept saying underneath the banner as that as they're showing game after game. Um, you know, stay tuned for exclusive Assassin's Creed Valhalla gameplay. And even that was underwhelming. That was some pre-rendered thing. It wasn't, it wasn't, here's the HUD. Here's how you complete a mission. It wasn't any of that kind of stuff. I think it got to the point where I liked the, I liked the open honesty that uh, Microsoft's had recently. They, um, but it kind of, I know it was going to happen because it bit, you know, bit Sony in the butt too at, at some point where you can only show and do so much before, I mean, there's nothing you can really show anymore. So right. I think this will probably humble them a little bit more, and they'll be they'll set expectations a little bit better because I think that's what it was. 
is because they've been hitting out the park and everybody had all these high expectations and then Microsoft didn't come out there like, hey, you know, this is what we're actually gonna be showing. Yeah. We're more more concerned about showing the IPs and what you'll be playing on there versus what you'll see gameplay wise. You'll see that later in the future, you know. Yeah. So I mean they they and I think they learned their lesson. So I think whatever show we'll get, which I think the one for June is supposed to be a deep dive of the Series X. So I think they'll probably they'll probably before then be like, all right, this is what you're gonna see. Yeah. That you know, don't assume this. That the problem is, you look at the internet, everybody assumes everything. I mean, that's a, that's the problem. And, and, they, it, they and the way things are now with social media and the fact that Aaron Greenberg can just tweet out expectations, you know, somebody who's on the front lines and who's dealing with this, they're responsible for curbing that. If that's that, you know, they got us all to tune in, but then you also have to deal with it. And they've taken it in stride. I specifically said Aaron Greenberg, and he's been out there saying, hey, listen, we listened to your feedback. That wasn't quite what we, that wasn't the response we had planned from this. So we will learn from that. The same thing with uh, Sony and their state of plays. Remember, they know a lot of people give them shit on it. And they're like, hey, just they were like, just keep critiquing us on the state of plays and we're working on it, you know? Yeah. And that's yeah. our next story. But I, th- I think they I think they did this one the right way. I think they I think they hit this one out of the park. So before we get on to that one on that one X event, I, what I did like on there is we got a lot of uh, survival horror type games in there, which I'm excited about, um, including the uh, the alien uh, penis coming out of the wall game. <laughs> Somebody had made a comment on Twitter. It's like I need to. It's like I power to the person who's going to take this. And I was like, <laughs> they had the you know alien penis thing. And I was like, oh god. Uh, but uh, outside of that, and um, I'm also excited about the the Scarlet Nexus game from the the Tells team. So oh, that looked amazing. So you know, there's a couple things out there, and uh, uh, how they're helping to growing the Yakuza brand in America even more. Yeah. So. So yeah, for that, that to be cool. featured front and centered is a, is a good thing for Yakuza series, and that was of course like a dragon. Yeah, so I'm I'm, I'm glad and happy about that. I mean, you know, a lot of people might feel certain certain types of way. They got the start on PlayStation, but people need to let that stuff go. So, uh, yeah. But outside of that, I was I was I wasn't really. I saw the first couple of stuff they showed on there, and I wasn't mm-hmm. really. You know, I, I was like, all right, I know what this type of show this is going to be, and I just kind of tempered it. So, I mean, I, I like a lot of IPs I saw. I didn't really care for the gameplay. So. It was a lot of varied stuff. It was a yeah. it was a wide breadth. And I think at the end of the day, like, we go back to, we refer to the PS2, the PS1, like, just the different genres that you had. It may not have been cream of the crop, but you had, you had excellent examples in platforming, survival horror, shooters. You had across the board. And Xbox has been known as, like, a shooter console. So here they have a Japanese RPG they have a sports game. They have, you know, several new IPs were featured first on their platform, and we've seen what that can do in previous generations for that mindset. And this, this is what they've been missing for a while because I've, at this point, they just took them how long until the the One X came out to be a the third party platform again? Because they right. were always used to be like, hey, we were always the, you know, if you're gonna play a third party game, you played on our platform because it always played the best. Mm-hmm. They kind of lost that in this generation. They finally got it back. And so it's like uh, they're kind of not they're not doing it this time. They're trying to show different IPs like, hey, you know, we're trying to grow the brand. And, you know, like Phil Spencer's kept his promise like, hey, I got, you know, I went to Japan. We got these games that we're going to do the marketing for. And yep. you're going to play these on there. These are going to be front and centered that, you know, to play on the Xbox. And so. So most of the games they showed were smart delivery, which means you'll get it on, a, you know, a digital license for Xbox One. We'll get you the Series X version as well. But I'm going to run down this list from Engadget. We had a Yakuza Like a Dragon, Assassin's Creed Valhalla, Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines 2, Madden NFL 21, which I was not impressed by. 
I don't know if that struck you any certain way. Because uh, we didn't see anything. There was really no point to... There was, there was no point. We all yeah. know Matt's coming next gen. It, I mean, it looked like the pre-rendered cutscene from PS2 to me. It was like no special anything. We know they're going to show their gameplay at EA Play, which EA shouldn't Play. exist in my opinion, but whatever. But um, <laughs> all that we got confirmation is it looks like their deal, their marketing deal with uh, Microsoft is going to continue. That's pretty much all we got. Right. That's pretty much all they should say. They EA Parts just came out there and say, hey, we're doing our best to make sure it plays best in Series X, you know. Blah, and blah. they were not a smart that. delivery title. They came out later and clarified it's some weird... Remember how if you bought Black Flag on PS3, you could pop it in the PS4 and pay $10 and upgrade the... They, it sounds like they have a free upgrade system, but for a limited time. That or it may, be, it may be their own version through EA Access, and they probably go over to over EA Play, you know? Yeah. I mean, remember, you got to remember the... Uh, I'm assuming, you know, the way Microsoft's doing this, that'd be crazy for Sony not to do something similar. But I'm, I'm assuming they're probably going to do leave it up to the publisher. So, as always. So. Yeah. If not, we end up with uh, King Kong. That's always my example. Buy King Kong on Xbox and on 360. Uh, let's finish this list. We had Dirt 5, uh, Call of the Sea, which was one of my favorite games from this presentation, Scarlet Nexus, which you said was yours, The Ascent, Second Extinction, Chorus, and then the aforementioned Bright Memory Infinite, the aforementioned Penis Game Scorn, and The Medium, which looked really good. That's uh, one of the survival horror games that you were mentioning yeah the medium yeah. looked great man i thought i almost thought it was like a um oh crap what's that 360 start uh, condemned it almost looked like a condemned type successor yeah and then the uh, music was done by the silent hill composer the original one yes, yes what else has bloober team done i see bloober team next to that it sounds familiar it does do you remember right offhand or are we both looking it up I don't know. Bluebird could also sounds like a fucking character off a Mario game. So that's the octopus, right? Yeah. Bloober team. We're gonna oh, yeah. find this out. It's Instant Blair, correction. Blair Witch and uh, Layers of Fear. And Observer. Yeah. Which cool. Is getting a what a next gen remaster already. <laughs> yeah. And they know this. Uh, they know this genre at least. Yeah. All right, so all in all, that was a um, it was a wide breadth. That was it wasn't what anyone was expecting from. Okay, here's Xbox Series X. You need this thing day one. That's that's what it said to me. Well, you know, it that, present that. It's like that conversation we just had, where it's like you know we were under the pressure. You know, they were you know Microsoft was hitting out of the park, and people just assumed, and you know and. You know, it's you. We didn't, you know, they're doing it differently. We're not. They're not doing E3 like they're doing this year, where they do like, all right, we're gonna do mass information all at once. It seems like they're gonna break it up all over the summer. So, mm -hmm. small, small bite size stuff throughout the summer is what they it seems like everybody's gonna be doing. The uh, summer Keeleys. Mm-hmm. The so aforementioned. I think, so I think it's just gonna be a learning curve because everything that's going on. So. Hey, we'll get there. We got plenty of good games coming and plenty of good games still left to play. Yep. I'm okay with this. Um, Sony had a Ghost of Tsushima state of play. This was a, a deep dive into their title coming up. Uh, all kind of stuff was shown off. I know you watched this as well as I. Uh, did it increase your excitement? 
Yeah, because I, I, you know, I mean, I was interested because I do like Sucker Punch, but I think mm-hmm. after seeing this gameplay, I, I do like it a lot, and I'm glad to see that they kind of kept the, the, the duality from the infamous games in there where you can be good and bad. Yeah. Um, it seems to go in a completely different direction. There's no bar showing like where you're crossing the streams or something like that. You can just play how it goes. So, so I have seen that clarified somewhere. I wish I could quote it, but it's not like they showed off. You're referencing the ghost mode and the samurai mode. Mm-hmm. They've clarified since then. That's not a morality meter. Like it's, it's literally two ways that you can play on the fly. You can just switch yeah. between the two. And it's two different, completely play, play styles. So they are one is more, uh, the samurai is more of the strategic one. And the ghost one is more of a, a lot of people do references to like Assassin's Creed and stuff like that more. You can just kind of go in there and wreak havoc. So, yep. Or you but can set looks- traps or, you know, fight dirty as it were, kick sand mm-hmm. in their faces, that kind of stuff. But uh, I'm excited. It looks good. I definitely want to play Japanese. Um, oh, amen. Japanese voice track was confirmed in this. That's what Cesar is referencing. And then, uh, you know, I do enjoy the, the black and white mode. I mean, that is. Uh, you know, uh, there's two things I love in this world, and it's westerns, and I love uh, old samurai films, which are very similar because they all stunt in their styles and mm-hmm. and nuances, and you know, there's not many changes in those genres. So, what is the best? Because I, I kind of looked into this right after that. Is it uh, Kurosaki? Is that what they were referencing with the black and white yeah. track that you're gonna be able to watch? Like the like the Seven Samurai and all that stuff on there. So like that's that style. Um, that seems to be the golden age. I mean, there hasn't been a popular samurai film outside of that, other than what Hollywood tried to remake, like with the Ronin Forty Seven, I think, which is also a remake of the another Kurosaki type film. So, gotcha. which went more of the sci-fi fanatical type thing. So, but yeah, it looks um, good. I'm excited, and they confirmed uh, it's still coming out in July. Was it July seventeenth or something like that? July something. Is there a date in this article? We're looking at uh, Gematsu. Yep, July 17th, worldwide. And the state of play focused on uh, exploration, combat, customization, the photo mode, which we mentioned. Oh, no, we didn't mention the photo mode. The photo mode looks fucking amazing. You can add uh, effects in the background. You can add music as you want in the photo mode. Uh, the Japanese voice track, which Cesar mentioned, and the Samurai Cinema, which was the film green black and white that we talked about. Uh, one of the cool things that I liked, uh, it almost seemed Wind Waker-esque, was instead of having a HUD to you know tell you where to go or direct you, that kind of thing, you can you can cause the wind to blow and you see all, like, all these cherry boss- blossom flow and things like that. That was a real neat touch. This looks like an immersive world to to get into, you know. It's, I mean, we're we're at the end of this console generation. It's a hell of a thing. It's going to be peak PS4 power. And I'm kind of interested in seeing how these uh they'll end up doing like the whatever Sony may have, like their version of the smart delivery and upgrade mm-hmm. these. And then PS5, it might be playing the game again, you know. And yeah. They look completely different. Right. Like so. what? Uh, it already looked freaking gorgeous on PS4. I'm assuming PS4 Pro captures what we were looking at, but yeah. Like, what do you add to this? It looked gorgeous. Um, one thing that's not touched on in this article, but I did, I did see on the video when I was watching it. You know, the crafting system that they're gonna have. It seems like, you know, some games they make you go out of the way to try to find items or like. 
you know, Animal Crossing, which we're all used to playing right now, you you chop down a tree to get three pieces of lumber. It looked like as Jin, the samurai, was was just exploring this world, you could just tap a button as he flew by, like you would see him go by bamboo, and you could just tap. Maybe you just auto-accumulate it, but you just add stuff to your inventory as you go flying past it, it seemed like. It seems similar, like, uh, reminds me a lot of, like, the first Tomb Raider reboot game, where you're just yep. going around grabbing branches and shit. Yep. And I am known for hating crafting, and I'm known for loving that first Tomb Raider game, and I think it did it did really well. The and not getting in the way. The Raider game was fine, yeah, because I think it, was. it, it wasn't too cumbersome. So, I mean, you found the items and it built stuff quickly. It wasn't like, oh, this is bullshit. It never gated your progress, and it never you never felt like you were grinding for items. Like, there's yeah. nothing worse than, worse than Animal Crossing than me needing to do something, and then all of a sudden I'm minus eight pieces of lumber, and then I don't have an axe, so I have to go craft another fucking axe. It's just... It, yeah, it punishes you for not playing it every day, basically. Yeah. I mean, you, you have to constantly play, and you always have to, like, if you sit there and you... You mine shit every day, then you you will be plentiful. If you don't, and you play it in between here, days off and days done, then it's it's it makes it a lot more harder. So yep. they're like, uh-uh, you fell behind. All right, so Ghost of Tsushima is July seventeenth. Just to recap. Uh, next up, you want to go with this one, sir? The PlayStation Studios slash um, Sony Cinematic Universe <laughs> intro. Yeah, they came out and they pretty much said that, uh, I think Sony said in the PlayStation blog, that they, they took some cues off of the Marvel Studios and kind of did their own uh, logo where it has like the their characters and their IPs uh, making the PlayStation Studios lo- logo, and they said that, that will change depending on the game. They did confirm that that logo was not going to be anything that's coming out up to Shima, be anything afterwards. Yeah, um, but or Last like, yeah. of Us, yeah. But it would be like Marvel where they would change it up depending on the game where different characters and whatnot. So they kind of show what they had on there. Um, so it, it's like a, it sounds like a, like an animated type thing that'll play on a loading screen. Like when you first boot up a certain first party title, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, then at some point, then people started arguing whether or not they copied Microsoft. And I think somebody had posted a video that they had done this video before when they did the Ratchet and Clank movie was uh they had something similar set up on their PlayStation <laughs> Studios logo and it's, it didn't just turn into a free for all and now we're talking uh, Sony Cinematic Universe. Yeah. I was like, man. But yeah, it looks fine. I like it. It looks cool. It's short and I you know me, I'm a Marvel fan and I, I think I'm interested to see different ways that they can bring different characters on there and yeah, like play uh, all much of those characters and that's cool. Yeah. This is a good thing all around. Uh, apparently addresses a need. You know, you and I are in on games and the industry, and we, we keep track of first-party, third-party sales, licensing deals, all this kind of stuff. But, you know, this will remind people, hey, you're playing a God of, you're playing God of War. This is a PlayStation first-party title. This is this is one of our banner games, and you'll, you'll see that as it boots up. And it'll show you, you know, built into the little as the X or the uh, cross symbol and uh, square and all that as they pivot around you'll see nathan drake and ratchet as you mentioned and you know those major kratos those major sony characters yeah that, yeah it's like you said i mean i think i think this point you know sony's getting that point where they're uh finally getting to uh uh branding a little bit better because there's always confusion about you know what was exclusive to the console and because we see final fantasy 7 remake they put on their like exclusive for one year they're being more clear on that uh and that literature where they don't sit there and fur, you know, and 
people are always like, ah, so, you know, w- w- what's happening here? You know, right. You have to buy a PlayStation, you know, they're trying to be more consumer friendly. So, right. So, some, to, so, to cement that, you probably won't see cloud ro- rotating around in one of those icons, you know. Or we'll probably see less of those day those days where we it's only on PlayStation on the box. They'll probably have that PlayStation Studios logo, and you're like, okay, it's a PlayStation Studios game. I know it's going to only be on PlayStation, and you won't right. deal away with the only on PlayStation part. Uh, it looks good. It's a good looking logo. It's super clean. You know, they're honoring those first party titles and those those legacies that are built over two, three, sometimes four generations at this point. Mm-hmm. Going into five generations, I forget that. The if Wipeout. We got to see a, a one of those Wipeout phaser ships on there. Wipeout 64. Oh god, I forgot about Wipeout 64. Everyone did. Uh, speaking of not forgetting about things, uh, Epic Games has announced Unreal Engine 5, and they did that by showing off um, it running on PlayStation 5, which was very cool. Five on five, and it led to. Uh... Um, uh, I, I don't know. You know, it seems like it divided a lot of people on there. So, well, someone created it in Dreams, so that immediately undercut its technical prowess. And then, did you somebody, see that? That was cool as shit. It looked good as hell. I know. I'm like, God, what am I doing with my life? This person took a like a next next generation engine that doesn't run on anything except theoretical PlayStation Five hardware, and they recreated it in Dreams. <laughs> And then somebody in, I think, Windows Central website started writing, wrote an article that it was only 30 frames per second, and it was, like, not even full 4K. And I'm like, what's happening here? And I, I was like, uh, about, uh, like, the, the person had to squeeze through a rock, and yeah. that's, in past Load. generations, that's been used as a loading screen. Like, yeah, that the, the tech for the hard drive's not there. I'm like, I was like, guys, we're arguing about, I was like, man, this is the only bad thing about not having everything out in the open, because, like, everybody's just arguing about stuff they don't know about. And I'm like... I like you know, and Epic tried to like, hey, yeah, we did this on PS5 because we want to show it, and we, and you know, he said some kind of things about PlayStation 5, and it was in the, the world. It was it's coming the- to everything. Stop fucking freaking out. It's yeah. coming to everything. Yeah, it was it was the end of the world, and like somebody had to come and clarify, like, dude, this is this shit is coming on iPhone. This is coming on fucking <laughs> Switch. They're like, calm down. All people care about is like, you know, they're getting offended because Xbox wasn't mentioned. And it was like, dude, this shit's coming on like everything that can fucking run it. It's like you got everybody needs to chill. Right. Like. I was like, everybody needs to chill, and you know, everybody's always on that thing about what's the best. I was Ooh. like, man, nothing, something fucking out, yeah, you know, yeah. I skipped but, the story. This was uh, this was one of the first big uh, summer of Keeley's announcements. Oh, I skipped another story, but we'll do that next. That was uh, this past Wednesday, I believe. Yeah, because the other story is from Tuesday. No, it's fine. We can go into it because I mean, there's nothing really more to add. I mean, other than it was cool, the animation was nice. I mean, it looked like a could have been a Tomb Raider-esque type yeah. game. That's yeah. what it seemed like it was on there, and then all of a sudden the characters start flying towards the end. I'm like, what the fuck's happening? <laughs> and it turned into Anthem. <laughs> yeah, I, but you know, it makes sense. They're trying to show different types of gameplays. It looked good, and it, I mean, it seems to move fluid. I didn't see any loading screens. It seemed like the maps were huge, and there was no pauses in between. You know, and it's it, it's nice. It's I mean you know it seems like everything's gonna run pretty nice on on this new engine. So uh, a lot of people on there were uh, like like imagine fucking Final Fantasy VII remake running on this shit because you know that was running on Unreal Engine four. So yeah, uh, which 
I imagine everything. I mean, I imagine the next part of the remake will be on five. So, but yeah, it's exciting. It looks good. I mean, I think we'll be more excited once we see uh, an actual um, game running on the engine in 2021. So we got another not, year probably. Not just a tech demo. Yeah. I was trying to find this in the article. It must not be in this article, but this was made in a very short amount of time. It wasn't like a three-week or a three-year labor of love. Like it was yeah. two weeks or two days or something like that. Um, I thought it was in this, but it's not in it. This article's from The Verge, by the way. Um, at the very end of that, like right announced right after that, I think probably the biggest industry-wide thing besides this engine being announced and unveiled is that Fortnite's going to be converted to this engine in the near future. And that it will become the next-gen consoles, yeah. Yep. And available for PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X at launch. So immediately the most popular game in the world is available, or at least in the continental U.S., is available on next-gen hardware. So people can have that to, to take a go at day one on those uh, PlayStation 5s. And hopefully and that'll alleviate that uh, that uh, first-year drop we always seem to have with new consoles where we're waiting for everybody to come out with stuff, so... It is, you know, as long as people are making patches to serious games as a service game, titles, I, that's an easy bridge in my opinion, you know. You make a you make a Rainbow Six Siege, hey, here's the patch that you just like I mentioned earlier in the show about that Assassin's Creed Black Flag, you had that disc that gave you the PS4 version for $10. Mm-hmm. If your disc immediately just downloads you that next gen version of these games as a service game and carries over your progress and Username and everything else, that's that's hard to beat, man. And I think yeah, well, Activision confirmed that Modern Warfare Battle Royale was coming over, too. I imagine PUBG would do the same thing. I mean, a lot of stuff that people were kind of playing right now, it seems like all that stuff's just going to cross right to. over. So it makes um, you know, it makes owning a new console a lot easier versus... You know, it would seem that a lot of people like waited out, like, eh, I'll wait a year until a lot of stuff comes out. You know, If they're, if they're like playing those games already, and they're like, hey, I can just play those now. So Yeah. What's funny is that, like, I remember distinctly PS4 launch, Warframe was right there. And I was like, what is this game? And Warframe was so far ahead of where gaming has gone today, and it's continued to evolve, and there's, like, a Warframe conference and all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. But they had it figured out pretty early. Oh, yeah, and then we got what, confirmation that Destiny 2 was coming to the next-gen consoles also. They won. Destiny I mean, 2. there's a lot of, a lot of ga- like you said, games as a service are going to be on, yeah. on there. Like, uh, I'm, I'm sure For Honor will be also, I mean... Uh, I think a lot of that stuff, like you said, Rainbow Six or probably will be. I imagine that's all that stuff will probably be announced at the Ubisoft show. So I don't think that's going to be a surprise. That'll help ease that transition because there's a lot of people like me for PS4. I bought, I got FIFA Day 1 and I got Call of Duty Ghost Day 1. I wanted to see how those looked on next gen. And I'm not going to have that $120 cost Day 1 this go-round. Because the Call of Duty I'm used to playing is most likely going to be free-to-play Day 1. And uh, FIFA, if I have a paid version of that, it's most likely going to carry over. Interesting times, man. Yeah, I think the biggest thing for us is like we're we're all going to have to buy new TVs again. You saw that the um, that some, the new TV Sony's releasing this month. It's uh, it's actually got the port, so you can play the, the next gen consoles at 120 frames per second. Not all TVs have that, so. Oof. So, but they confirmed that you can play the, the the Xbox and the PS5 on there 120 frames per second on that TV. It's, How it's much is it? Fifteen hundred, two grand. It's not 50, bad for the 55 inch. It's not bad at all, especially for Sony. Usually that's just like three, four grand for the 55. Yeah. But yeah, they. Confirmed I'm down that. with this. 
I'm I'm ready to get upgrading at 120 frames per second. I'm not really concerned about 8K, but I but I'm down with getting uh, something that'll use 120 frames per second. I would take 1440p HDR, high frame rate. Oh, guys, you saw that. I forgot who it was, and it might have been Benji Sales, where he, he made that comment where he, like, at this point, somebody made a comment somewhere. I don't know if it was him, and I don't want to misquote somebody, uh-huh. where they're like, they're like, hey, I'd rather people just upscale 4K, because I, yeah. you know, most people can't tell the difference, and just use that that power for something else. And then people got <laughs> immediately mad. They're like, need a 4K, 1X, Series X. I'm like, the dude's like, calm down. It's like I said, I, I can't tell the difference, and I would rather them use that power for something else. You know, I'm not telling them to take a shortcut and be, you know, like take a break and stuff. But, you know, you know, the dynamic stuff was like we stream in 4K and, you know, most of us can't tell the difference. I mean, there's a difference, but most of us can't tell the difference from a streamable 4K image and from a, a UHD disc. So unless, you know, there's certain movies you probably can, depending on lighting. If it's a lot darker, you can usually see some artifacting in the streaming and depending on your s- signal strength and all that. But I mean, yeah, it, it you know. But that's streaming, you know. This is like a, this is native, and using dynamic and filling it in. I can see why you can make that argument. So I don't think the end all is to have everything native AK or a native 4K. I mean, so but everybody's so caught up on this last generation with the PS4 when it came out with the more power thing. Everybody's like got the hard on for the power. I'm like, I just I just want to play good games. It seems like we're kind of losing that as we transition to this next generation. Like I I wish people were more about. I want to play a good game, except for the the Sony fans who are always like, well, you know, Xbox has no games. I was like, you guys got to chill with that. But, um, I, you know, I just want people to, you know, be excited about games. I sit there and excited about, oh, my thing can run 20 right. teraflops. Or it's like, right. who gives a fuck? You know what I mean? Is it fun? Is your 12 teraflops fun or your 16 or your 18? I don't know if it's the quote that you're referencing, but I saw uh, Mike Micah. He's like a historian developer. He mentioned taking games to trade shows that were running at 720p and saying, hey, it's native 4K, check it out. And people are like, yeah, yeah, I see it, I see it, it's gorgeous. And I've actually preferred checkerboarding in certain situations. Like, I couldn't even tell that the, that was the difference. I Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's somebody who can. That's stability, cool. dude, stability far outweighs resolution. Tell me Soul Calibur on Dreamcast at 60 frames per second is not still a badass game. Yeah, it still looks 480p. Still looks good. It still looks gorgeous. They did the most with with that capability and ran at a great frame rate. But you know, I want to argue like you know, it's okay to have the native 4K. I want that option for people who want it. I just don't want people to be assholes about it. I'm just tired of the people being. You know, it's everybody's always arguing about like this this type of fanboy is the worst. I was like, man, you all suck. Everybody sucks. <laughs> all, all you fanboys suck, you know, every one of them. Hey, it's, we're going to see it with Halo Infinite because it's going to run on this, like, you know, far extreme amazing console, which the Xbox One X is still a super competent console and better than a lot of gaming PCs out there. Mm-hmm. It's going to run on that. It's going to run on the next thing. And it's going to run on three things ago, the original Xbox One from 2013. So we're going to see that huge, huge breadth with probably the flagship xbox series x title i'm excited to see that i want to see it across the board and i mean that's only going to be what they said temporary because i think it's after what the transition two years after that they'll be mostly yep. they're going to fully move on to those consoles so 
I, I would have thought they would have kept. Well, I guess that makes sense. It doesn't doesn't make sense to keep making games for obsolete consoles if you're not manufacturing them anymore. But because it's yeah. not cost effective. But no, and they don't make those anymore. You can't get an original Xbox One, right? You yeah. have to get the One S, the Sad Edition, or the One X. And eventually, those are going to go away too. So you know, yeah. I mean, they're not going to want to sit there and develop on all the old ones and try to push new ones. I mean, that. But we got a couple of years before that'll happen. So this transition period for uh, Xbox um, gamers will be pretty good. But yeah, I don't know. I, I just I miss I, I. Seems like we're getting away from that whole you know playing stuff for the games and we're all caught up on this power thing. I'm like, I like I'm, I'm buy most of my games on PlayStation because I have most of my library on PlayStation. That's the only reason why I do it. And then people getting straight arguments about, well, you should buy the One X version on online because it's, that's the best the one that best plays best. And I was like, well, mm-hmm. if I had a whole a huge Xbox collection, I'll probably even if it was the weaker console, I'll probably still be buying an Xbox because. I'm not that type of guy who's like, I'm just going to get the, the best version. I'm like, I, I just like to keep my library together. You know? Hey, look at uh, look at uh, two generations ago at this point. Well, almost three. The PS2 was the weakest of those three consoles by far. By far. The GameCube trumped it and the Xbox destroyed it capability-wise. And, and, it's, think, and it outsold it, them, what, five to one? And there was some stuff that the Dreamcast ran better than the PS2, so and that yep. came out well, the year prior almost. So, yep. Uh, the game we like, the Tennis 2K2, they oh, had to make major concessions for the PlayStation version. I think uh, what was it? Dreamcast had anti-analyzing, and PS2 didn't. I think that was like the biggest thing. Yep. You know, there was some uh, there was some stuff that Dreamcast had, and I think a uh, I think anti-analyzing was the biggest thing. Was it the then a lot of the games didn't have the jaggings that the PS2 did, so yep. and they had to use the blurring effect on the PS2, and that's why you had that wash look on some certain games. I remember that was a big deal when uh, those consoles were out at the same time. And the were... Dream Dreamcast, they prioritized frame rate. That was a huge mm-hmm. deal. That's why so many of that library, so much of that library, still holds up today. It yeah. ran so great. So and still I don't does. know. Hopefully, we'll get back to it. I mean, I don't let that stuff bother me. It's just. I just look at it and I just shake my head. I was like, man, I wish a lot of people weren't like this. But, you know, at the end of the day, everybody was always like that. And it just wasn't prevalent because we didn't have social media back in the past. Because I think I still remember when I was in school, they always had people arguing about which console was the best. And that's always been prevalent. It's just now it's just been more uh, chaotic. And it seems like more people are hold it to the will fight to the death for it. I'm like, man, just let it again, go. Again, again, we've talked about this over and over and over. Mm-hmm. People make a decision. They spent their money on something. They feel like they have to back up their decision for some reason to the internet, their keyboard warriors. It's weird. I don't get it. I don't think I ever will. I just want people to enjoy games. It's like, I was I was excited mm-hmm. when Nier and Yakuza was announced for Xbox. I was like, yeah, you guys should buy this. These are great games. You should play it. It's not, I wasn't upset because Sony lost a exclusive. I'm like, you really... I'm pretty sure Sony's not like going to sit there and pay money for, or Sega's going to sit there and pay money for exclusive to sit on a Sony console that's probably going to end up selling 10 copies a month after three or four years after everybody's going to play it, played it on that console. It doesn't make sense. You know what I mean? Do you think any of that will wane based off of the environment that we've been in? Do you think it will provide anybody? Uh, I'm, I mean, I know people are sick everywhere. People have lost their thousands, hundreds of thousands of people have lost their lives. Do you think any perspective will will have dawned on certain people like, okay, maybe this is not a big deal? No, I think it's just the mentality of how people are always are about having, you know, 
purchasing the best. There's always seen that uh, that's uh, like one of my coworkers that we're always quoting called the, the the elitist mentality. There's a lot of people out there like, I gotta have the best, you know, and you know, everybody needs to know. Yeah, you know, I'm dropping money on this because it's the best, you know. But instead of you know talking about like, hey, you played Yakuza on Xbox, I played it on PS4. Let's talk about how great that game is. Instead of sitting there like comparing which version runs better. And then they get the guy out of left field. like, everyone's best on PC. Like, who cares? What about the game? We're right. just going to sit there and look at how great it looks. Awesome. This is this is what it turns out to. This is how we do games. Why put any content in there? Just build engines and just, we'll just look at the characters. And, you and know, it's I, not even like somebody on a, another podcast. I, I can't remember where it came from. But the, the different platforms at a time when you and I were growing up gave you different games. Like, if you bought Toy Story on Super Nintendo... Then you bought Toy Story on Game Boy. You got two different games, and that's I, I understand there's two different hardware things, but even Aladdin, Aladdin for Super Nintendo brought out the strengths of the Super Nintendo. Aladdin for the Genesis was a totally different game and better and worse on its own merits, and it it used the strength of the Genesis for better or worse. So it's not even to that point like we're getting these better versions that, you know, it's not like Mortal Kombat where we can argue, okay, my version has blood. You're playing the version that doesn't have blood. It has the gray oh. glitter. Yeah. Like it's not even to that point. Like what are you even discussing? Are you talking about some some pixels on the corner of somebody's shoulder? Like what are you even talking about? We're playing the same. We're playing the exact same games at this point. Well, between me and you, that's what I'm kind of excited about that because I think what's his name? Um, was it Dark X One from uh, Digital Foundry? Digital Foundry, Dark One X, Dark One X, where he's like, hey. I thought he's like I thought this generation was going to be like the last one where like all these consoles were the same, but you know, Microsoft has their own uh, juice with their console, and it seems like Sony's going to have their own thing. So we may be seeing this generation where, like you said, that stuff might come back where like this game might play differently on consoles. You know, it may be more powerful on Xbox, but you know, they because of the different uh, technology used on PlayStation Five, it may play completely different. It may play right. like oh, you know, I just in my opinion plays better, it's, but it'll be my opinion, you know. But which will be interesting. We might get different types of uh, gameplay that we don't, because I mean they they got their own juice. It's not the same thing like it was this last gen. It's the whole power thing. So. We're, we're all arguing over eight core Jaguars with uh, different speeds of RAM. Little PC. John <laughs> Lineman. John Lineman is, is yeah. his name. It just dawned on me. And then I, I remember people instantly started banging on him about that. And he's like, he never said the PlayStation Five was better. He's just saying, hey, I like this. This is going to be different. That's all he made that observation. Yep. And I was like, come on, guys. It's like social media, man. I swear. It is what it is. I mean, you just you just have to ignore the people. And a lot of those people are trolls. So they're always looking to do arguments just for the sake of arguments. Just to brought people up. And that's what they get their kicks from. But, you know, just, I just look at them like, man, you know, it's hard to have uh, constructive conversations with people out there online now. You know, it is what it is. We can sit here and argue about it all day. But onward to Tony Hawk 1 and 2. Uh, I had a great, uh, you said getting their kicks and I was going to do something with kick flips, but go ahead. So my bad, I mean, <laughs> take away your thunder. Um, so this was a uh, rumored for a while. I think, uh, that this was being kicked around in Activision and being tested. And I guess, uh, it was more so than it was before. Cause it seems like we are getting a Tony Hawk one and two remaster. Uh, it looks good. It looks like, uh, the levels and everything from the, um, visually in, from visually from the first two games is coming there gameplay wise also um also so uh saw note and this is all from uh, the verge i'm not sure if they mentioned in this article but they said a lot of the old neversoft staff is working on this uh, remaster i know vicarious visions got soaked up into them or mm-hmm. got 
they soaked up some of their employees. And it seems like a lot of the soundtrack is going to be in there, uh, but uh, B-Boy, B-Boy's not going to be on there. And that was one of my favorite tracks. Uh, it seems like uh, a couple of the hip-hop ones are not going to be on there. So They might that, be announced later. That's that's so far, so maybe they get the rest think, of it. I think they're, you know, they're working on that thing. Or it may, yeah, you know what, I, I know what's going to happen. It's going to be fucking pay DLC for those contract, soundtracks. It's probably because you don't have to pay license for it, which is fine. I'll do it. Or both of our consoles have Spotify library built into it. But Cesar, I already have Tony Hawk uh, Pro Skater HD on my PlayStation 3. Oh, God. That that uh, <laughs> was a uh, past job of like what they took the best oh. of one through four or something like that. Before oh, the, what a piece of shit. Before somebody came out and did the the Tony Hawk uh, timeline where before he met Bam Mongera and after he met Bam Mongera and the word split off. The Speaking one with, of Bam, did you see that these uh, guys and the one that Bam, you know, it's like there was a whole thing with Bam, remember, one where he dies and one where he wins and then he's going on the timeline. Like the Zelda timeline? Yeah. The hero, the hero wins versus the hero loses. No, this is, uh, you mentioned earlier, this is Vicarious Visions and they've done a bang up job with both the Crash Trilogy and the Spiral Trilogy, so... This is gonna be a good. Uh, this is gonna be a good collection, I think. It's like uh, Activision found their blue point. Yep. Uh, it seems like this is what they're gonna do because they are have perfected the remaster. So they have. They know what they're doing. So that'll be September fourth, which is very very soon. All of a sudden. I it's and I did forty bucks. I pre-ordered the hundred dollar one for the skateboard and digital stuff. So. Awesome. Is it a full size skateboard? I can't it remember. Full- what it- it's a full-size skateboard. I think the only difference is like if you reserve it at a GameStop, they give you a little finger skateboard also on top of that. So you get two skateboards. Dude, I was hooked on those for a while, despite never being able to ride a skateboard. I was pretty good at the finger ones. I could I could jump those and everything. Do the ollie and a uh, fucking kickflip. Yep. Yeah. The uh, grind. Those were big when I was in, I guess, seventh grade. So you'd have been, been in high school. High school for me, yeah. Mm-hmm. I saw some nerdy people in high school because I remember that all the people in uh, high school would uh, meet after class and go to the cafeteria and play Magic the Gathering. I'm like, I got to come in there like, what the fuck is happening? That's awesome. I, I just I never got into it because I always had a part time job because I was, basically when school's over, I just went straight to work. Everybody else was like going in there playing Magic the Gathering and losing cards and crying when they lost a $50 <laughs> card. And I'm like sitting here in shambles. I'm like, I don't know what's happening. They're playing cards and you're trying to get out there and earn that paper. Mario, the Origami King, is coming to Switch in July. Super excited on that leeway <laughs> and the game. Oh, this I came should, out of nowhere, man. I was surprised somebody didn't sit there and uh, try to say Nintendo stole something from Tearaway. <laughs> <laughs> it is Tearaway-esque, that art style. The Origami yeah. King is the is the title of the game. It, I mean, there wasn't really much announced to it. It seems like uh, we're going back to the original um, turn-based battle system that was made famous mm-hmm. in the 64 and the GameCube one versus the action RPG-based one that we kind of went to on the Wii and the 3DS and the Wii U. So yeah. I'm, I'm excited about the battle system because I did, I did prefer the 64 one. I remember going through that one and enjoying that game immensely. I've always had problems trying to... Every time I always pull up the Paper Mario one on the 3DS, it's like, all right. I'm going to go through this game this time, and it seems like after the first two hours, I'm like, fuck this game. I'm like, what am I trying to play this game at all? Two hours is my limit with uh, accumulating those stickers. I'm like, nope. Yep. Not fun. Yeah. Uh, maybe one day if I'm super bored or and I'm like trapped somewhere and, and I saw this room and I'm chained to the wall and like, oh, you have this 3DS and Paper Mario. I'm like, well, <laughs> time to beat this shit. <laughs> at last. 
I'm a, I can do it. They're like slice off the leg or be paper Mario party slice the leg off. I was like, at least okay. I can get a robot leg. <laughs> That's that went somewhere dark and that totally killed my <laughs> comment. But that seems like like it's not a bad game, right? We don't enjoy it personally. But it seems like do what now? It's just different. It's not it what is we totally different too for a paper Mario type game. But that seems like the type of game, like I always, I, I, you know, people watch people play games on YouTube. We've been playing Silent Hill 2 and posting that on YouTube. I'm like, why would somebody watch that outside of commentary and things like that? But if someone really knew how to play Sticker Star, I would watch a whole playthrough on YouTube and that would suffice for me. Someone who really enjoys that game and knows the ins and outs and you could enjoy the experience with someone who enjoys it. I would get I would get down with that. I would maybe pay them money. I will give them uh, subscriptions and like and <laughs> touch the bell. You'd ring the bell. Yeah. Uh, the Verge says the Paper Mario series debuted on the 64 and is different from the main series with a focus on comedy and the occasional RPG spinoff. The Origami King looks to fit firmly in that classic Paper Mario style, complete with charming paper craft art and far too many pun- puns. Fart. Oh, I felt like I said fart too many pl- puns. It probably did, and they probably <laughs> meant it. So, as you said earlier, the the battle system, they didn't really show that off. It, it kind of came out in, like, Japanese Nintendo accounts. Like, I watched some of those videos. Mm-hmm. But The Verge notes, the games the game also includes what Nintendo describes as a new ring-based battle system that lets you flex your puzzle-solving skills to line up scattered enemies and maximize damage. Seems more turn-based by the way they're saying on there, but we don't know. So, I mean, the puzzle thing is kind of making it seem odd but it seems like it may be just an evolution of those uh, original two games for the thousand year door and the 64 this also checks off one of the rumors one of the heavy rumors from earlier in the year of a new paper mario game announced what was one of the other big rumors um it was going to be the other the mario remasters basically that's it I, i don't think they ever threw around the idea of uh the splash color one was coming ported over it seems like they're gonna let that die on the wii u it's so. so weird, right? It seems like it's right there. Like, why not? But they, they made a brand new one. This was intelligent systems, too. Yeah. And they were saying that we're doing something, because remember, somebody made that comment that they didn't make this uh, Fire Emblem game. They only did... Uh, they assisted. They, they, yeah, they did support. It was mostly that uh, Koei Tecmo. So they said this was what they were working on this whole time. So it seems like they were putting in the love and care in this uh, Paper Mario. So Very cool. Oh, the other rumor I was thinking of, it came to me all of a sudden, was... Uh, uh, Pikmin 3, a port of Pikmin 3 to uh, Switch. Mm-hmm. I think the Verge beat was the other one where they're they, so far what they've been saying has been true. So I think that's why people have been like, but it seems like uh, what that rumor going around where uh, Nintendo's not going to have a director at all and there, but it's just like whatever they release, they release. It seems like that's happening because remember it all started with a uh, deadly remember deadly premonition too, even before that rumor came out because remember they just popped out on the channel, hey, coming out in July. Yep. And I always thought it was odd because usually they would announce that on a direct like uh they kind of do all that stuff at once and then then they came out with that rumor and then we got the paper mario now and then we had the video for clubhouse games where they kind of they went over each game individually so it's like where it seems like they're they're doing that thing where you know hey you release it while you got them because that whole article that i kind of sent you i don't know if we went over it was pretty interesting i think it's not a big deal that it delayed it because you know what was happening with covid19 it is what it is but i think the the biggest thing i pulled from that article was that and why I saw why Sony invested so much money into their uh, game developers was because how technology deficient that Japan was. You know, they didn't, not all homes had Wi-Fi, didn't have setups to work from home. And, you know, it's like they're kind of archaic in that they always yeah. still promoting the office setting. 
And I was like, okay, that makes sense why Sony offered that money worldwide, a million dollars on their phone. Like, hey, buy what you need to work from home, you know? Because, like, not even my job was doing that, you know? But most of the stuff I had, I needed, I already had. But it makes sense. So We're was, in the industry, and we were lucky, but uh, I've heard of other companies offering a stipend for stuff like that. Like, hey, $1,000, upgrade your setup, get a better router, get a monitor, extra monitor you need, you know, get a better mouse and keyboard, whatever it need, you need to be able to work from home better. That was a cool Sony thing. We didn't talk about that, did we? Well, because, you know, it, it didn't make sense until we saw somebody did clarity on, like, all right, this is how Japan works. Like, they're still mm-hmm. using fucking fax machines, you know, like, yep. instead of an email, you know, you can email something, but they're still faxing shit. It's just that uh, that's one of the, the quirks of Japan that I love so much that is, like, you know, like, even when they remember when they're in the Taisho era and they're moving over to different eras, it seems like they always had a hard time letting go of certain aspects and some of that mm-hmm. stuff would cross over and blend in. Kind of like even things like, uh, you know, Cuba was a different story because of the way the economy is over there. But, you know, like a lot of the, for the years I've been using the cars from the 50s and just fixed it up. It's like there's certain aesthetics that, you know, just they kept and went with it. And you go and look at it, it's like, wow, you know, you don't see that often. And it's kind of cool. Yeah. But it's like that whole, you know, that whole thing that makes sense with uh, Nintendo in Japan and why they're hurting so bad is because, you know, they were not geared to work from home. But the cool, I mean, the only, the, this is not what, what's happened is not a good thing, but, you know, the glimmer of hope out of everything seems like this will help them evolve that way, you know, something happens in the future or even give their employees that option after everything goes returns, hopefully back to normal that, that they can work from right. home. Because I think, uh, you know, even our situation in our state where, you know, I know, I don't know, you maybe you're like me, usually I get up in the morning when I watch the news and look at the traffic and they said traffic's been kind of light. I mean, even the guy who runs the traffic for us, pretty much said like the way that everybody's kind of working from home that they, they don't see traffic getting bad as it used to be within the last year or two ever again. He said that a lot of these awesome. jobs, he said a lot of these jobs are probably going to stay permanent work from home fixtures. Awesome. So he said, we might see an ease of traffic. He said, traffic's going to go up, but he, he doesn't think it's going to be as bad as it used to be. It's not going to be the point where, you know, we were always sending like, what we're going to do, you know, we're running out of road space. It was getting worse and worse every year. Yeah. And we so, both knew, live near a brand new toll lane that they built to try to alleviate that in the morning and afternoon. Yeah. So a lot of that stuff, I mean, there's silver linings and everything. And it, it sucks what's happened. We lost a lot of people, unfortunately. But, you know, and, and nothing can never replace human life. So, you know, I, I don't I hate to use the word silver lining, but there's some there's some stuff that's happened that's going to change our society. Let's put it that way. Just change our society. Whether it's for the better, I, I'm not going to say, but outside of deaths just like 9-11 changed the flight industry security um you could say five thousand different industries this has changed the the mindset of a a lot of different things Mm -hmm. so uh, a lot of this stuff like i remember in my job where i work at you know we had a fight for the perk to work from home they always they considered it a perk Mm -hmm. and now it's different you know like they're always like hey we prefer you to do work from home now because they know it works and it's proven that you can do it yeah, I guess people, a lot of people were scared on the whole transition thing. And like, you look at fucking, uh, was it Square Pay? Or, you know, they told all their employees you can work from home permanently. They're, you don't have to ever come back to the office. They just awesome. Told it was like, there. I mean, it makes sense. You don't have to worry about renting space yeah. or owning a building, supplying, you know, you know, office supplies and paying electricity and making accommodations for employees. It's, you know, and hey, one of our favorite podcasts, um, you know, they're, they're used to doing content and podcasting together, and they're in downtown San Francisco, which is like a, a super hot tech industry. 
and very expensive real estate. And they've been able to create content, podcast, everything else from home. You know, do they need to, does their parent company need to spend that, that rental money for that property anymore? Yeah. Or even then, if I mean, you can go somewhere else, get a smaller building or something like that, or you can meet at each other's houses afterwards and do that. You know what I mean? Yep. So, I mean, I think who, who did that was, uh, Arthur Geist for the longest time. I think they would meet up in people's apartments and do their show. Mm-hmm. Rebel, uh, Rebel FM. They still doing Rebel FM? Been a while since I listened. quit listening uh, about a year ago. The yeah. no, the nostril breather destroyed it for me. I don't know who it was. Someone breathed nonstop through their nose, and I could not get past it. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I'm not saying I'm not saying yeah. we're a perfect podcast. Sorry, Rebel FM. You have great content. It's the yeah. nose breather. I'm sure I do stuff that piss people off too. I'm. It is what it is. You know. So you know, some stuff people will rub the wrong way, and I don't expect people to change. So if I don't like it, it doesn't mean it needs to get out, not them to change. So. That's how uh, speaking of getting out, the Konami's TurboGrafx-16 Mini will be uh, released in North America on May 22nd. So as of the date of this podcast, five Wait. days away. I'm very excited for this, sir. So you said 22nd. 22nd. It's two days away. As of the date of this podcast, because I backdate our late-ass recording to the 17th. You can't do that to me, man. I'm a fucking Groundhog Day. I don't know what day. I fucking listen to the same song every morning when I wake up. If it's Groundhog Day for you, don't correct me on the date. <laughs> just, just roll with it. I'm, I'm look. You're telling me the date. I'm looking at the date on my clock right here on my computer. I'm like, well, what the fuck's happening? Like, dude, you're like, wait, wrong? five days till Turbo Graphics? I thought it was two days. <laughs> I'm sitting there like, I thought this was February second. I'm like, what the fuck's happening? I'm looking over uh, here like May already. Very um, soon, listeners who have pre-ordered their TurboGrafx-16 Mini, you will be able to enjoy it on May 22nd, exclusively to, from Amazon. To uh, clarify from what Richard's saying, uh, please ignore my uh, <laughs> drug-induced uh, hypnosis I just had. Whatever he said was correct, and what I said was incorrect. So we're gonna blame um, your we're gonna blame your clarity on <laughs> drug-induced. Ah, uh, Cesar's right. It's a late recording. I, it doesn't matter. It, it, all that matters is Turbo Graphics. It's 16 is fucking finally coming out. The mini. That's all. That At last. Yeah. And we're gonna have a collection of how many games for less than the price of some of one of those games. Uh, we have a box that I can play Rondo Blood, and then a box where I can play Snatcher in the language I don't understand yet. <laughs> in Japanese. <laughs> so that is um all I take from that Turbo Graphics. So. I got a. I didn't get a shipping confirmation. I got a. Hey, this is a new release date. But I did not get one for my TurboTap or my extra controller. Did you get one for yours? No, not those okay. either. Uh, other than if you look it up, they said they're coming on the 22nd. But, you know, Amazon's got their priorities on other stuff. So it's like they're yeah. released up a stagger. And there's some games I pre-ordered from Amazon where they just magically like, hey, we're not going to get this. And they just canceled on me. And I was like, all right, that's never happened before. But it's been happening a lot recently. So I'm like, it is what it is. I don't even get upset. I was like, I'll, I'll get it later. It wasn't meant for me to get. So You know, their infrastructure is getting killed at the same time. You have more people staying at home, ordering stuff from them. Hey, we're asking for video games. It's not, that's not the end of the world, right? Yeah. So I know I'm like you. At some point, I got my confirmation that TurboGrafx will be in my hands. I think it says, I think it's the 26th, which is the next week. Mine says the 26th also. Which doesn't make sense because it's Memorial Day, but I guess if they're deli- being delivered from Amazon, then I guess they deliver on Memorial Day, so it doesn't really matter. So I cannot wait to play this. It's a lot of great games on there. It's gonna be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll we'll have uh, maybe have impressions. Oh yeah, 
when we both get a hold of it we will I, hopefully here soon we can get together and stream again both silent hill and uh turbo graphics hey i might rig up the turbo graphics and sign into our account and just go through some of the games and play some of them there we go and i can just join by a video that works too Speaking of joining by video, Mafia Definitive Edition is coming out August 28th, and the Mafia 2 and 3 Definitive Editions are available now, according to Gamatsu. <laughs> yeah, the remastered. Um, remastered. <laughs> so that was a bad transition. The, so we got, a, what was it, three? They ended up giving everybody the DLC content for free and just renamed it Definitive Edition. Which for works three. out for us because we all got like most people had it on PlayStation Plus for free from mm-hmm. I think last year, so a lot of people got that for free. Uh, two launched uh, well this that day, and that one, believe it or not, it runs in HDR, and it's, it's really just, yeah, it looks really good even though it's just a remaster. And then they announced that the Mafia One was coming in August. That's a totally different looking game, man. And that is a complete remake. Yes, that so, looks incredible. And that one's the only one we're getting a physical copy of. Um, Just the first one? Yeah, they said the trilogy packs are only going to be in Europe and in Japan, so I have to order mine overseas, and those packs will get all three. Gotcha. Uh, on a disc, but they said uh, I think uh, 2K came out and confirmed that Mafia One was the only one we're getting, and that one's thirty nine. And it's like I don't think I spent thirty nine dollars on something so fast until when they posted it up there. So I looked uh, immediately. I have the first Mafia game on Xbox. So I was just looking, okay, how much is Mafia running? The PS2 copy of Mafia is still ranging in the like twenty to twenty-five dollar range. Yeah. I didn't look at Xbox because I owned it, but I was like, damn, there's demand for this first Mafia game, especially like listeners, we're not doing it justice. Go look at clips, go look at screenshots. This remake does that first Mafia game justice. It looks like a it's a whole new reimagining. It's gorgeous. And this is all, all these were uh, ran by Hangar 13, the, the team that was responsible for Mafia 3. So we see what they were doing all this time because, man, a lot of people were, like, wondering what they were doing. Yeah. Uh, it seems like it was this Mafia 1 remake. Uh, I think they had some assistance from D3T on the remaster for 2. I think when I when I saw a load of the credits, I saw them on there. You have really good memories of Mafia 2, right? I loved it. It was great. It was like a one, it was an open world game. Mm-hmm. But, it's, but instead of having so many side missions, it was like one giant mission over an open world, which is really unique. Um, I mean, they had the little uh, small uh, side quest, like connect, get all the wanted posters, but you know, it wasn't necessary. It wasn't like like a Grand Theft Auto side story where like, oh, I found out about this character. Or, you know, you ran into Phil from uh, fucking Vice City in San Andreas. You know, I mean, there's like little stuff. In there, like, holy shit, you know, if you played all these games, you'll catch these references. You know, it wasn't too heavy in that lore. Gotcha. But, yeah, um, pretty excited. Um, hopefully go through Mafia 2 soon. I never went through Mafia 3. It seems like that was always a mixed bag. Uh, I heard the story was good. I just heard that the gameplay was uh, repetitive, and it forced repetitive. you to do a lot of those missions. A lot of that stuff was repetitive, and it forced you to do it. It wasn't a choice. So a lot of people will always hear praise the story, yep. and they are like they they went through the repetitiveness, but they said it was worth it for the story. And then some people just like I just they couldn't do it. They just like it got the grind was what killed it for them. So as you've mentioned, uh, I haven't played it either, but stuff I've heard they said that story goes places, and it's worth it's worth the repetitive gameplay. Yeah. So maybe one day I don't know. We'll see. 
All right, Mafia Trilogy coming soon. Two-thirds of it uh, probably by the time this podcast posts, definitely. Yep. Uh, Nintendo Online's getting some new titles, finally. Weren't we just bitching about this not too long ago? Yeah, they're, uh, they're uh, quarterly releases. Um, I think the, the biggest one was uh, for Super Nintendo was uh, Panel de Pond. Panel de Pond. Uh, according yeah. to Gamatsu, well, this is from Nintendo. Uh, this title originally launched for Super Famicom in 1995, but this is the first time this version of the game will be available in the U.S. Though this title was never translated into English, it may seem familiar. What was this uh, remade or retranslated as? Panel de Pawn, that is. It's a DS game. I can't remember what it was called. Um... Was it like a Pokemon or Disney Meteos? It seems similar to that block-based stuff. Right. I forgot. I hear good things about this. I've never played this game before. Uh, yeah, I think it was that weird time where, you know, Nintendo was always big on, you know, cutting loose on the previous generation and going to the next one. 95 is that weird time where, you know, they just looked at a lot of stuff. It was like, yeah, they're very selective on what they've released because they were getting ready to do the 64, so... That's when we didn't get Star Fox 2. We didn't get Seeking Detsetsu 3. They didn't want to make things uh, compared to Wipeout or Panzer Dragoon on the competing consoles. And I was amazed that we even got uh, the last Kirby game, Dreamland 3, because I was like late in the console, too. I was surprised they didn't scrap that. But Yeah, but that's become a Nintendo thing, right? Like uh, yeah. They've always got a couple Kirby games laying around that they can just release in the last year or two of a system's life. Mm-hmm. All but right, yeah, other games. Go ahead. Yeah, Operation Logic Bomb, um, Wild Guns, which was a cult classic, and it's been ported to the Switch and PS4 recently. It's very expensive for a hard copy, though. And um, on the NES side, you get the Rygar, uh, another cult classic. Um, a lot of people speak uh, very highly of, which I think we got what remakes on PS2 and the Wii at some point. Mm-hmm. Totally different, but uh, that first Rygar is supposed to be pretty good still. Uh, I've heard a lot of people saying low, low, there was a lot. I've read some articles out there. I can't name them off the top of my head where they said Panel of the Pond is like the winner of this one right here, but mm-hmm. they tell people don't sleep on Rygar. They said Rygar is a good-ass game. Uh, alternatively, if you've signed up for a Japanese Nintendo Online account like Cesar and I have, you also get Super Punch-Out and Journey to Silius. Both very, very good games. Uh, Super mm-hmm. Punch-Out being a Super Nintendo game and Journey to Silius being your extra NES game. Alright, last bit of news and we'll go into games played. Uh, there was kind of a Nintendo um, sales update. We always like going over these because they're, they're really cool metrics. Hey, the first one, man, it's in the title here. This is from Engadget and Nick Summers. Animal Crossing New Horizons has already sold 11.77 million copies, which has exceeded their expected lifetime sales for that time. Yeah. It's crazy, man. A lot of that stuff is uh, because of the times we're in right now. And this that That's game it. has brought a lot of happiness for people in a, a time of uh, great doubt and sadness. And it, it was like uh, most people would, you know, like you said it before, this is like the the perfect environment for this game to come out with and they're probably going to make even more animal crossing fans for any future games on there i think whatever unfortunately whatever happened here now is what it it took for animal crossing probably to grow even more into that next 
you know, pillar for Nintendo, and it's probably going to stay that way. So, I mean, it was already popular with a cult status, but it seems like a lot of people were like, hey, let me see what this game's about, and they picked it up and just rolled with it, and they loved it. So, uh, It's already the seventh highest-selling Switch game of all time. I would never have picked Animal Crossing to outsell. Uh, Engadget picks these games. Luigi's Mansion 3, New Super Mario Bros., U Deluxe, Super Mario Party, and Splatoon 2, which I thought were all doing really well, but this just blew past them immediately. Um, the Switch sold 3.29 million Switch consoles in the three-month window leading up to March 30th. So, you know, it's going to be even higher than that when the next one comes out. Uh, that's a 33% increase over the same period last year. Uh, the figure is higher than the combined lifetime sales of the Nintendo 64 and GameCube. And it's also just behind the Super Nintendo. Yeah, they're getting, they might get up to Wii numbers on this one. Oh, wait, it's also beyond the Super Nintendo. I read that wrong. And only yeah. 6 million behind this, the original Nintendo. Yeah, I think. Holy crap. This one might be the one that might top the Wii for them. It might get them over that, uh, what was it, like 105 million or something like that from the it's, Wii? Or... It's flying, man. Uh, I think still they... puts it, it still puts into perspective what the PS2 did, because I, I still can't fathom that. Oh, the the Switch is million? just, yeah, the Switch is just selling like gangbusters, and it's I, it's not even matching the PS2. I'm laughing at the, the when the PS4 finally hit 110 million. They're like, PS2 next. I'm like, you expect them to sell another 40 million? I was like, <laughs> especially when the PS5 can play ps4 consoles i mean you know if it didn't play ps4 games maybe no nope. nope. and then it was like priced differently but it's like i i probably see them petering off at like 120 million and stopping and the ps4 at that point everybody would probably be on the ps5 which is, is a huge success all all these systems are already a huge success even the xbox one but ps2 was just god tier yeah. I didn't realize how, you know, it puts into perspective when these sales figures come out how crazy that PS2 sale was. And why we got so many uh, big releases late in that console generation, so. Yeah. Instead of all that stuff crossing over to PS3. You've got a World 2 coming out after the PS3 came out, and uh, Final Fantasy 13 or 12 right around that same time. And uh, the greatest of all, Final Fantasy 7, Dirge of Service. <laughs> didn't we look that up, and it was the exact same day as the PS3? And yeah, the Wii? like. They were like, why would I buy a PS3 when I buy a Dirge of Service? I was, we were wondering why that game got buried. It just got buried under all that random shit happening all at once. Because I remember hey. the week came out at the same time. I was like, it's like so much happening that month. It's like, no wonder we, we we can't recall it. And on top of that, the reviews on there were not great. So Middling. So, and we got the better version. Because remember, they fixed up a lot of stuff from the Japanese release. So Yeah, because ours was technically the international, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, all right, you got $599 to spend, or you got $49 to spend? <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. That was a weird time in gaming. That that generation's weird. I, I always, always look back at that 7th gen. Was it 7th gen? That 7th generation was a weird one. With the Wii and the PS3 and the 360, it was just... It's like they did so many stuff that was not traditional, and it was different, and it lasted so long, and it felt like... We, it's we, one of my favorites. It's one of my favorites. We <laughs> criticize it for being so long, but then look at where we're at now. I mean, the PS4 and Xbox is, what, seven years also? But it doesn't feel as long as that last gen, so. Yeah. But I'm like you. I don't think... I, I like that generation, too, and I like a lot of games for me, but it's just like a lot of that... Um, a lot of those games start to feel their age towards the end. They like did. It's, it's, it's like games that I'm playing now on the PS4. Like, it's... 
there's some games I'm playing now that the fucking loading sucks, and I'm sitting there, I'm dying, and loading forever. And it's like, oh my god, I'm, I can't wait till the next gen. The loading times are getting worse. Yep. So. Hey, we could uh, play games on cartridge. We could go back to Super Nintendo and PS1. PS1 had decent load times, I, but... I just know there's certain games where I fucking died, and I'm like, all right, I just want to jump into action and get to it because I know what I need to do, and I'm sitting there waiting for screens to load, and I'm like, fuck, I'm, it's killing <laughs> for me. It's I'm sorry. Killing. You want to apologize to the game? Like, I'm so sorry you have to reload all these assets. I won't fuck up next time, I promise. Here's a random quote from a random person who's already died. I'm like, all right, great. I guess I'll just read quotes until the screen shows up. That's the equivalent of me playing this game afterwards. It's Medal just, of Honor style. Yeah. <laughs> With like weird loading screen. Oh, God. All right, seem to hear it there. Oh, that's it for news. At last, we've made it. Finally. This is what we do when we take two weeks off. We just ramble on all episode. We do an hour and 20 minutes. We do 80 minutes of video game news. <laughs> and then we're, we're going to talk about games played 10 minutes. And then social media and dip. <laughs> no more social media rants. Uh, there will still probably be social media rants. Mm-hmm. we got to get better at social media. I know that much. Yeah, we give, we give uh, Facebook a lot of shit. And I made that observation to myself today. It's like we're probably going to have to make a Facebook account actually really be on there yeah we've we've been very on the record for saying fuck facebook are we actually gonna have to do facebook i think we will we there's a certain audience that probably is only on facebook that we're neglecting will it benefit us more listens will always benefit us that way they can tell their (laughs) friends trust me i hate it more than anybody i'm i don't have a fucking facebook account at least you have (laughs) one for family i get pissed my family gets mad at me because i don't have shit like how do you i don't, have, I don't have anything on facebook i have instagram which is owned by facebook which yeah. i guess what does it fucking matter are we bowing down to our facebook masters at this point are we admitting defeat no podcast is bowing down i myself will not have a personal facebook but i uh, no podcast oh okay okay yeah. okay so all of our fuck facebook's have been our own opinions which i will still stick with yeah, because I'm not. But, I don't have my own personal one. I never will. I don't give. I don't give two fucks how many people in my family are gonna be like, "Hey, you're missing out <laughs> on these conversations." They do fucking text me. I'm yep. sorry to anybody who listens to our podcast is in my family. I'm sorry. I love y'all, but fucking text me. It Just Renee. Have to go, Just Renee. We love you, Renee. It does not have to go through the fucking Facebook app or Messenger app or whatever that. It doesn't have to go to. There's another app for it, and it's called iMessage or whatever the fuck equivalent of it is on Android. You know, just pick it up and send me a message. All right, man. We didn't uh, we didn't workshop this. Is this is, are we setting this up in the next couple of days? Yeah. Email. Me and you had this conversation about growing the brand, and we're gonna have to do it. You know. Okay. Fuck. All right. Fuck Facebook. We'll be on Facebook by this weekend. So follow us on Facebook by the end of this. <laughs> We've said fuck Facebook so many times. Why are we bowing down to the man? The only thing we won't be on is that uh the terrorist app, which is what the tele thing, telenet or whatever what that shit was. Not we telenet, actually already we already used that as well. Telegram. Telegram. Telenet. It's like okay. everybody uses fucking telenet to talk to servers. I'm like somebody's not listening. Like whoa, it's like I didn't know that was fucking a terrorist thing. I use that to talk to my Windows server all the time. My bad. Not telenet. Not telegram. That's a that's a common protocol. <laughs> we still have to use telenet. Yeah, someone's like, I can't use Secure Shell anymore. That shit's not safe. HTTPS. Yeah. All right, let's need to hear there. Um, but yeah. All right, no longer f- fuck Facebook. Just fuck Facebook personally, not fuck yep. Facebook uh, 
No podcast. Follow us on Facebook under No I will, Podcast. I will make fun of Facebook on my Twitter account and continue to do so on my own personal Twitter account. We have to start running our Twitter account. All right, yeah. that's the thing. Follow us on Facebook. Here we are. The year of our Lord, 2020. We've been broken. Hey, you had this conversation about growing the brand. But this is we have to we have to be accessible. And hey, we, I believe in this, man. I'm taking time out of my my life. I know you're taking time out of your personal yeah. time. It's it's not paying the bills. So here we, we are. Have, we have to be accessible. There might be a whole crowd of people that only frequent on Facebook. I don't know why, but you know, there's a lot of my friends that don't even know what a Twitter is. So like, okay. I can see that. You know, there's a lot of people that just do Facebook and they're like, "What's Twitter?" Not in you know. People don't think that you have to be like an intellectual to go on Twitter. That's why they don't use it. So, I mean, there's certain people who don't use Twitter. So. Intellectual. I, I don't know why you think that's like if you go on Twitter, you realize that you don't have to be intellectual. There's a lot of dumbass people on Twitter. But oh my neither here or there. There's so uh, many. That's the majority of Twitter. <laughs> For those of us experienced and it's well-versed in its ways. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then, uh, but... Twitter gives us in a take it's man there. I've seen some great stuff on Twitter that I'm in tears of crying laughing. So like that I would never see anywhere else. Some, some great content. And then there's some people uh, that I just, you need to slap the phone away from them. Right. But we'll leave it at that games played. All right. Uh, here's a, here's a little side note right before games played. Now I'll let you, I'll let you kick it back off. I got an email right now from blizzard entertainment, right? Mm-hmm. Known makers of StarCraft, Diablo, Lost Vikings, World of Warcraft, Lost Vikings, <laughs> More Lost Vikings 2. I just want Lost Vikings 3. That's all I want. I'm just going to keep saying it. All right. You ready for this? This is from Blizzard Entertainment Incorporated. Uh, it has my user profile on Blizzard Entertainment. Iskruf joins the fight with the Allegiance in Call of Duty Modern Warfare. Hey, that's the age we're in now. That's my email from Blizzard. We were talking about things changing. It's bizarre, right? It is bizarro. All right, games played. You want me to kick it off? Um, it doesn't matter to me. Uh, I've only played three games. I don't know how many games you played. Let me tell you about a new genre I've discovered called sailing games. Not the strange genre. <laughs> Not the strange genre. The sale genre. Like the, what was it, Anime Stranding where I saw the other day for 79 cents? I'm like, what the fuck's happening? No, it's 69 cents and it's hentai. Oh, God. <laughs> yes. Was it hentai? Yes. I, did, I, seen, I, I didn't even seen look at what it was. I just saw Anime Stranding. I'm like, I'm not even going to look at this shit. It's 69 cents. Trust me. I saw the same thing. Oh, anyways, let me tell you about this sale genre. So I've been playing Wind Waker. Uh, I've continued on that. I believe when we talked two weeks ago, I had done two of the quests. And after that, I activated the lighthouses. I brought up, um, I didn't bring it up. I went down to Hyrule Castle. And then there's another quest after that. And then you go back to Hyrule Castle and it uh, unveils a big part of the story of Wind Waker. And I think I was texting you during this like, Mm -hmm. oh my God, dude, this is amazing. Music, story, everything. This is a special game. And it really started to come together then. And uh, since then, I've had to um, meet up with a character from previous in the game who all of a sudden has a uh, different role. 
there's two things I had to get that they don't really lay them out, but if you've played a Zelda game before, it kind of clicks like they hint at you, okay, when you get to this island, you're not going to be able to lift something, but at island so-and-so, there's going to be an item that will enable you to lift heavy things. And if you've yeah. played any Zelda game since, what what was the first game that had any sort of um, uh, power bracelet? Maybe Link's, Link Link's, to the Past, Link's Awakening? Uh, yeah. Uh, Link's Awakening. I know it had the power bracelet. That yeah. was in the Bottle Grotto specifically. Quote me on that. But um, so they laid that out there and I was like, okay, well, I guess before I go there, I better go get that. So it almost different from a Zelda game, you know, other Zelda games where they give you the item in the in the dungeon. There was like a side quest in the in Wind Waker. And I mentioned two weeks ago and and Michael, a uh, friend of the show, Michael, wrote into the show <laughs> saying that you could get the swift sale on the Wii U version. You could go back to the Windfall Island and get it pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't needed that. I got the Ballad of Gales. You shoot the you shoot one of the guys out of the tornado and then you can move amongst the islands. And that has made it quick enough. And I don't feel like the sailing... I feel like the sailing adds a lot to the game. Maybe that's an unpopular opinion for Wind Waker. Mm-mm. But I'm never bored sailing. I'm never like, oh my god, I wish this would be over with. Because the pacing of the game keeps keeps the sailing at a distance. Unlike the like the wolf version from Twilight Princess, I hate those wolf segments. I feel like that takes away from the game. But Wind Waker, the sailing, you know, it takes you from place to place, and there's there's plenty of moments in between there, and it never dominates the gameplay, in other words. And the other game I've played does that to Masterclass. I don't mind it in Wind Waker. I really love it in the other game I played. But I went and got that character. Uh, she has an extra song after that point, and I'm now at the Earth Temple, which is one of the last, like, two or three dungeons, I believe. And I just started that, and I kind of I kind of put Wind Waker on on pause for a minute. Um, great game. It's gonna go down as it's gonna go down as one of my favorite Zelda games. Breath of the Wild is is still my favorite game of all time. So I don't. It's so weird calling that a Zelda game because it's very anti Zelda versus everything that came out before it. But of the Zelda games, of which I think you're mostly a fan of, Wind Waker is is rising up. It's it's going to be either the number one or number two. It's going to be up there with Ocarina. Breath of the Wall was always going to be your game because, I mean, you were always a fan of like Elder Scrolls, and now it seemed to be that marriage of that whole Zelda. It did, man. Gameplay. It scratched all those itches for me. So, I mean, I was never big into Elder Scrolls or that, that type of RPG mm-hmm. world. So, I mean, I did be... Breath of the Wild, but I mean, it was never going to click for me like that. But right, and I saw, I saw that when you and I, because we both got switches at launch, we both got Breath of the Wild at launch, and you played through the game and beat it. You did the dungeons, you did what you needed to do, and you beat it. And you were like, okay, it was a pretty good game. And I'm like, how could he think that? Like, you know, what's not clicking with him? But it is exactly what you're talking about with that Elder Scrolls influence and the the side questing and the getting caught up in all the other stuff and. It's totally different from Wind Waker is still your favorite Zelda game, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. And this is that's my favorite story out of all. God, it's so good. And I cannot argue with this story. The story, the characters, the presentation, you know, the Zelda version of it, it man, it clicks. This is the definitive version of that. I know they were under pressure to make the realistic Zelda and all that, and Twilight Princess followed this up, but as much as I've played a Twilight Princess, it does not come close to how great this game is. Mm. And it's almost a shame because 
in popular opinion, Twilight Princess and in sales, I think it, it trounces Wind Waker, right? Even in yeah. the HD remakes. I think the whole Wind Waker thing is the whole caught up on the realistic Zelda and they kind of killed it and nobody really gave it a fair shot. Crazy, man, because they did so much more when they dropped that realism and they went with the expressions of the eyes and the the depth of character that they could add without trying to render, you know, fully realistic features and all this kind of stuff. They did a great job with this game, this this universe. That was a good looking cell shaded game before even HD came out. So, yeah. And I know you like uh, uh, Majora's Mask. That's one of your favorites, too. Mm -hmm. And Zelda games tend to have a, a dark... Uh, twist to him even breath of the wild you know when you wake up in breath of the wild you lost dude you fucked up a hundred years ago you didn't win and then you wake up to hey this is what went wrong all this shit went bad when you went to sleep you failed they put you to sleep this is what happened yeah and wind waker is that failed timeline of okay it didn't work out and uh the gods flooded this whole world and they hid what was good from what potentially could be bad in case the the hero would awaken again. And I just, maybe yeah, it's like the redemption arc, but I fucking love that, man. It's like, yeah, it's a whole mentality, like, you know, nobody can have it. And so Right. That's what the gods did. They came together. They were like, hey, he's coming back. Uh, the hero didn't come back like we thought about. You know, we had prophesized and everything. And that's why in, in Wind Waker, you start off with the blue clothes because... The only reason they give you the the hero's clothes is to remember that that storyline and remember what could have been. So it's almost like Breath of the Wild, like, hey, this universe failed. This is a this is an offshoot of everything went wrong. Ganondorf's here; he was successful, and everything that was good and everything. I think that's what touches on Breath of the Wild with me, and why this might end up being one of my favorites is you know everything went wrong and everything that you loved and and that made this world for you is dead or gone. Yeah, and it was uh, it was it was completely forgotten too. You didn't learn anything until you got to Hyrule Castle. I mean, and that's when you get the whole like, oh yeah, it's like that whole society thing of that previous lives were just were forgotten. It's like it was never ever going to happen again. Forgotten, and they evolved. The the Zora people that you loved from all these games, the fish people, they turned they grew wings. They turned into the Ruto. They turned into a whole different species. Kind of like Ocarina with um. With the light dark thing, and there's been a light dark thing with Zelda for since Link to the Past, but and the Ruto are also in the Breath of the Wild, so they are. And the Kokiri, the the Koroks, I meant. So I'm sure we're not sure where Breath of the Wild lies in there because that Hyrule Historia came out before that. Yeah, even then the Zoras are still in the Breath of the Wild, so they are. Like I said. It's interesting, and I think that's what made uh, Phantom Hourglass so much more disappointing for me because I was excited to continue that uh, that storyline, but it seems like that gameplay was so hampered on that that DS, and it forced you to use that dual screen. But I was so excited for that game. I didn't get 20 minutes in that thing, and I was like, "Fuck this!" And I and I was like I said, I was a big Wind Waker fan, and it continued right after Wind Waker, and I was like, "Yeah, I'm excited," and I don't even know what happened in there. I'm like, because it's just <laughs> it got so cumbersome in the gameplay and. And it's like you got to you draw where your boomerang's going, and it, it was it had the same feel to me where I I try to play like Twilight Princess on the Wii or or just I it, the gimmicks is what killed it for me, and I couldn't yeah. enjoy it. I, I never enjoyed Twilight Princess until the Wii U, and even then I think when I was texting you back and forth when I played it, I, I felt that Twilight Princess on the Wii U was too long, maybe a dungeon or two too long, 
it got really good. At, there was a certain dungeon that was kind of spoiler spoilers, and I won't say it. That makes references to the original Corona Time, yeah, uh, game in there, and which got really cool. But I was like late in the game, and by then I was like over it. I feel like maybe we're there's there was too many dungeons in there. It's Dude, that's like, exactly where my save file is. The Arbiter's Grounds. That's exactly where my save file is at right now. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, this game's pretty cool, and then I stopped. <laughs> I, was like, I don't have to see this out. <laughs> it just, it just, uh, I don't know. It just, it felt too long. I don't know. It just, yeah. at some point, it's, already, it's gotta, it's gotta end. Yep. All right. On my uh, Wind Waker continues to be something special. I'm very impressed by that game all around. Hundred uh, percent. Ten out of ten. Uh, Switch remaster day one. Whenever it's announced, everything. I'll, I'll always support this game if this you're ends like, up being the. You're like fucking eBay. We'll buy again. Oh yeah, absolutely. A plus. We'll buy again. Fast shipping. Mm-hmm. Items you're interested in. Oh yeah, sure. I'm, yeah, I'm down with this. Go ahead. Just send it to me. Uh, keep it on my sailing um, experiences, I guess. The sailing genre. Sail genre, is that what we're going with? Yep. <laughs> That's the name of this episode, is the sail genre. I bought the Assassin's Creed Rebel Collection on Nintendo Switch on Amazon. I think it was on sale for 20 bucks, And I've got this on multiple platforms, but uh, we had a conversation two weeks ago when CJ was on about Assassin's Creed and Valhalla had come out, and I always heard good things about Black Flag and um we've discussed the lore of assassin's creed on the podcast before and it's intimidating where do i start here where do i start there four's always been you know mentioned as a good one origins has been mentioned as a good one so i had this game and i popped it in i was like you know let me let me play an hour and see see how much i like of it dude i've probably got eight to ten hours in black flag at this point (laughs) damn that game's good um i don't feel like i'm going in and and I'm trying to work past this because there's so many games that are coming out now that build on other stories and this, that, and the other. And I would love to be able to invest in lore and know what Desmond Miles did for five different games and that kind of stuff. And you've explained before that the payoff doesn't seem like it's that that much, that big of a deal. Uh, so I popped in four. I just wanted to see what it was like. And I I started off with a fully charged Switch portable. And I played that first session all the way until my battery was at like 2%, and I literally had to charge it. It's a perfect mix of stealth, um, the boat mechanics. Like, I knew you drove a boat and did the cannon firing and the naval battles and all that. Those those fucking shanties when they were going on there was great. When they just do Oh, they sell- sing the songs and stuff? Yeah. The shanties is fun. And then you can collect them. Like, there's new shanties on every island, and you can collect them, and they'll sing them. I'm like, oh, my God. Dude, it's such a good... It's such a good mix of of storytelling, which drives me in a game, but it's probably the least interesting thing about this title so far. But it's the, pro- the progression of how the story, this character is evolving. Like, uh, he starts off as a pirate. Is he a assassin? You kill some assassins at some point. You pretend to be a Templar for a little while, which I know that's the big conflict is the assassins versus the Templars. You have to investigate certain things. You have to do stealth. You have to do boat missions. You have to run down people through the streets. It's like a race. It's always something new in the gameplay. Like every, the pacing is just perfect in this. There's no, like the story's told about in the sequences, right? Because you're still the, as Burgo, am I saying that right? As Berto, something like that. You're an employee with that company reliving. You're a company with the with the employee reliving these adventures, right? You're in this digital, almost like a VR type thing. You're reliving yeah. 
they harvested somebody's DNA and you're going through their DNA sequences to find pieces of Eden, which is uh, the ancient civilization where um, were created by the gods. They have these powers of the gods. So they, these assassins are descendants of the people from this time period. And they have clues where they get the pieces of Eden, which are like these powers of the gods. And then that's what they, uh, Abstergo's trying to find is these pieces. Okay. I think this version of Abstergo that you're referencing to is like a, gone through like a Ubisoft type company where they have gone through like a video game conglomerate. And yes. As their cover, and they're trying to pass these off as games so they can grow more people to play their games so they can discover pieces of Eden. They're like, yeah, they're you know, think it as entertainment. Play this entertainment thing, and this right. is your goal, and they're recording everything. Like, okay, now we know where to get this ancient piece of artifact. Instead of uh, having just a select gotcha. few, they use the masses for it. So, because the previous games were, were dealt with Desmond Miles, and I and I can tell you what happened with it if you want me to tell you, unless you want to go through what the whole point of that was. Was um, the original? I'll get, I'll get to that because I think I'm going to play the Ezio trilogy because I know you you're a huge fan of those. I will end up playing those. But I, only, I know this is a part of the overarching story of it. They kind of tell the ending on that series a little bit differently, and I'll leave it at that. You'll see it on there. If we need to talk about it, we can, because it doesn't really explain it until later on in the games that you're playing now about what he did. Okay. But the whole, point, the whole point of that game in the very first two games, it led to the fact that he was going through this, um, going through to be trained into a modern-day assassin, and at some point they just went away from that in the story, and they're like, no... We want to stick with the historical aspects, not worry about the modern day, because the whole point of that whole game series, and I think uh, Patrice de, de, de Celeste was uh, his idea when he came up with that Assassin's Creed was that you would go through the simulator, you would become an assassin, that way you would play a modern day version of Desmond as an assassin, fully trained, as he takes on Abstergo in the modern day. Gotcha. And they never went that route, so they did something with Desmond, which you could probably figure out, because I probably mentioned it many times in there as you played it, to what happened to Desmond. Um, and they were they like, said no. he's not around, but they're using his DNA to enhance the entertainment. Right. So at that point, it's like as you go to Origins and as you go to Odyssey, there's some modern day aspects of it, but it's completely. At this point, it's they go on the historical emphasis versus the modern day one. The modern day one's kind of like a, a cooked idea that really shouldn't be there because it doesn't really do much. So so I've played, I say, eight to ten hours of Black Flag. I feel like I've played maybe eight minutes of the modern day part. So they're definitely leaning away from that. But they also mentioned, like, they explained, so if I fail a mission, if everything just goes to shit, which it has before very quickly, and I get killed or something like that, it explains in the story, you know, I'm not just rebooting a save or whatever. It's an it's a failed sequence or whatever of that memory. So DNA sequence, yeah, because yeah, it always seems yeah. to show it as a DNA sequence. So you're yep. recreating a DNA a DNA molecule. So I just play it again, and the the checkpoints are liberal. Like I I'm never feel like I'm losing these hours of progress. Like I've gotten probably 45 minutes into like a stealth mission before and fucked it up and been like, oh my god, here we go. They're almost like Splinter Cell. Like they're gonna start me back at the beginning. I gotta do all the, and I'm like maybe 30 seconds behind where I was before. Like, the one person I messed up with, I'm right there facing them again. So, music, the the world building, I've listened to the, the soundtrack on Spotify probably three or four times through in the past week. Like, I'll just put on this pirate music, and I know I'm way behind. This game came out in, like, 2013. This game is fucking great, man. It is so, so good. 
and uh, outside outside of Ezio, he the the Kenway, he's I think is Edward Kenway. He's probably one of the more, most popular uh, characters from that in the Assassin's Creed series as the main character. It's just he's like good. A, he's a pirate man. He's not really. He's not an assassin. He's not a Templar. He's a pirate. And he's you, trying to make money to to get back home to his uh, his lady. That's that's his whole goal. You get to his backstory, and his backstory is a lot more complicated than that. And it doesn't let you know on it doesn't let you in on everything in there. And it, and it kind of the way it ends is completely different on what his goals were set out to be. And that's where because uh, this game leads right into Assassin's Creed Three. So yeah. you play uh, you play in Assassin's Creed Three. You play as his son, and then you play as his grandson. So this goes right into Three. So. Um, which muddies the waters because they all have that threes where they have that uh, disconnect where, you know, father and son where one was a Templar and one was an assassin and that whole uh, blending of uh, the way of thought about who's right, who's wrong. And it gets uh, a little bit more deeper. So that conflict cool though. Then yeah, hopefully I make it all the way through this one. I'm loving it, man. We've mentioned before on this, like perfect for switch, but I have it docked upstairs and I play upstairs and it stays fully charged. And then I take it down to the bed and I'm, I'm doing like pirate missions or whatever's next uh, in the bed until the battery dies. Basically it does. It's worse in my opinion. And I still have the original launch switch, but it almost seems worse than breath of the wild. As far as a battery eater, it will churn up a battery or maybe I'm just, I'm playing for three hours and I don't realize it, but man, that's a good mix of gameplay. I love the stealth kills. Um, I'm getting real good at the combat. It was clanky at first, and I'm like, oh, God, I'd, I'd rather just hide somewhere and kill somebody. But I'm getting really good at uh, sword fighting, and then like you can kind of grab them and toss them to the side to throw off their balance and then really attack them. A lot, uh, of, his, uh, a lot of his is parrying attack, parrying attack. It's that's what it is. That rhythm, yeah. Yeah, because me, I'm just like, <laughs> why can't I just take them out? Nope. And it, like block, it rewards block block and then attack and you can do yep. the the god of war you know instead of the grab just a stab and kill him instantly thing so yep it rewards the back and forth and then like the first time the first couple of ships i just sank because that's what it teaches you to do but it's like i said man it's this game is a master class in in pacing it teaches you everything at the right moment i get the right upgrades at the right time to utilize them almost in the vein of a zelda or a metroid where it gives you exactly what you need at the right time and gives you the right time to use it but the first time that I took a ship down low enough to then board it, like you pull up beside it and you take out a couple of their uh, main features, like with the gun that you have on deck. And then your people are like, they're jumping on ropes and they're swinging over to the boat and you've shot up all the shots on that cannon you could do. And then you grab a rope and go over and you're taking on their captain. I'm just like, oh God, this is freaking great, man. It's just, I filmed a couple of cool scenes that I did. And it's just a rush, man. I swung onto one of those boats, and there were two people next to me, and I double-tapped that assassination. I just took out both of them at the same time. Mm. I was like, oh, my God. I play games, and I'll, I'll admit to this, like God of War and stuff like that. It's it's a power fantasy. I will play them on the easiest difficulty that I can to just feel like a badass. And I'm actually playing this one on normal, and they do such a good job of just making you, you feel stealthy, you own. It's just... This is an awesome game, man. It's really, really good. If anybody, I know I'm way late to this this ship, as it were, the ship sails, but Assassin's Creed 4 Black Flag is incredible, and it plays it plays really well on Switch. Uh, I watched a Digital Foundry video. It's basically like the PS3 and 360 version, 
texture wise and and content wise it's the dlc or all the dlc and stuff's in there and it also includes rogue which i haven't touched but i also heard is really good but it runs way better than the ps3 and 360 version it's a more stable frame rate that kind of stuff but man it's i've been super impressed i've I'm well documented on this podcast not playing Assassin's Creed games, but it, man, if any of them are as good as Assassin's Creed 4 Black Flag, I'm down for a whole bunch of them. This game's really, really a lot of fun. Yeah. Your next ones will probably be um, Rogue is pretty good. It, does, it doesn't get as good as... Uh, I don't think anything touches what 4 does. Like I said, 3 is a mixed bag because of the the whole story pacing. Um and Liberations is kind of like uh, in the same vein as 3. I like Liberations a lot, but you can definitely tell that was made for the Vita. Yeah. And it, it doesn't feel as robust as uh, the current Gen 1. So I, me personally, and this is my personal opinion, probably the next one I would go to is knock out the Ezio ones. It seems like the other ones in the middle, like 3 and Rogue and... Liberation are the ones that the rest of the America's trilogy are the the ones that are always love it or hate it. Let's put it that way. I because gotcha. I love. There's some people that just don't care for them. You know. Gotcha. I'm a huge fan of three, and there's a lot of people who hate three. So you like four as well. Four is one of your favorites. Oh yeah, four is definitely one of my favorites. Yeah, but then again, you know, three is different for me because I had I've read the books for three, and that I looked at everything differently. So. Gotcha. I, got, I got a lot more of the backstory on some of the characters that weren't dressed in the game that probably would have made it a better game if they did put it in there, but it is what it is. But uh, The Halo conundrum. So mm-hmm. much of our backstory and our lore and our our awesome world building is in these novels you have to read, too. Because I think if I don't think I, if I didn't read that Assassin's Creed 3 novel, I don't think I would remember Assassin's Creed 3 as fondly. I'd probably be like, eh, it was all right. That makes sense. Yeah. It, it might be like the the destiny of Assassin's Creed games. It sticks with me because I still remember. Well, because I mean, playing three, you play as two characters, and so it's like he it seems like you don't get enough of both. So, but three kind of clarifies you get you get more of their backstories, and I, I don't think it was. I think if you ever went through and played three, you probably you you I don't know if you would like it, probably because of what you said on here. It's just the pacing would be off because it's like when you finally start to like one character, you don't get enough of it. You go into the next character, and you gotta like start. Uh. Over. Again, you're like, oh, this guy sucks, and then you get towards the end. It's like, yeah, this is good. <laughs> then the game's over. You know, at this point, you're like, it's kind of like that, uh, that uh, um, conundrum with uh, Days Gone, where a lot of people love Days Gone, but it doesn't get good until like the last ten hours of the game. You got to put like thirty hours in that bitch, and then it just what by the time it gets good, it ends, and you're like, oh, right. that's what I always see the consensus on it. So I can't speak personally to that, but maybe one day I will. But, you know, gotcha. All right. The only other game I played and then we'll go to your games played uh, Halo Master Chief Collection. I'm not going to touch a lot on that. Just played. That seems to be my weekend game, like late weekend, late Friday night, late Saturday night. I get on there with uh, friends of the show, Jeremy and uh, Derek and Evan, and we just play rotating Jeremy, map. Jeremy Runner. Yes, Jeremy Runner, friend of the show. Okay. Uh, he follows us on Facebook already, our unmade Facebook page. One sixth of the Avengers. <laughs> yeah, sure, whatever. Uh, uh, famous Jeremy's uh, Ron uh, Jeremy. Ron Jeremy also follows us on Facebook. He's also, uh, the bootleg Jason Bourne. <laughs> yes, the one-off Jason Bourne, the George Lazenby of uh, Jason Bourne movies. <laughs> the one we but, never um, got. We never got another one with. Nope. The one and done. 
Oh, wait, were we talking about the Australian uh, underwear model, or were we talking about Jeremy Renner? Jeremy Renner. <laughs> Both. But that just that continues, man. They've they've done God's work with that Master Chief collection. It's just rotating maps, and you pick a Halo game, you know, either pick one or two or all of them or whatever you like or whatever mode you like, and we just play random rounds of King of the Hill, Team Slayer, Team Battle Rifle. Uh, Griff Ball has become one of my favorites. Have you ever played one of those online? Uh-oh. You try you try to score with the ball it, or uh, oddball too, where you hold a skull like it's it's like King of the Hill, but you hold on to the hill and you have to move around with it. Uh, Halo Master Chief Collection continues to be a good game. I'm gonna play that for a while. Uh, most likely for the foreseeable future, I loaned that same friend of the show, Jeremy, one of my uh, the original Xbox you and I bought years ago. Mm-hmm. So he he has access to an Xbox. We're playing that on the regular. That's all my games played. All right, so um, <laughs> my my games played um, went a little bit differently this week. Uh, I know in previous weeks I went through. <laughs> I'm just messing with you. Go. <laughs> previous weeks I went through uh, Final Fantasy VII remake and then um, Soccer Wars, and I'll start off with Soccer Wars because I'm still slowly going through that. Uh, I'm at chapter five. I think it's an eight chapter game, so I'm about halfway through it. Um, I'm thoroughly enjoying it. Um, at, at one point, I guess I, I got maybe a little burnt out because, uh, and I mean, I'm not going to add more to it because it's just more the same of that visual novel aspect and the Musao thing. The only yeah. difference is that um, I finally got to a point where they have a battle simulator that I can go through and do a lot of the previous missions with different characters, which is, I guess, more of the Musao stuff of that gameplay. So you can, if you want, you can kind of go down there and do that and get higher uh, rating rankings, like S rankings, A rankings. And, um, so that's, more, uh, that's replaying the same missions, or how does that work? Well, you, you replay the same uh, core missions, the uh, uh, enemies, but you do it with different uh, side characters. So it kind of changes it up a little bit, keeps okay. it a little bit fresh. And most of those are only about 10 minutes each. I mean, it's not like too long. And it, I, I maybe do a couple and then move on to something else. I mean, there's not really much you get out of it outside of you get some more unlockable uh, photos from previous uh, soccer war games. Um, they do go more into the lore in this one about what happened to, you get more of the backstory about what happened to the original characters from the original games. Um, I kind of see where it's going. It's not really hard to decipher. There we go. So uh, we'll see, and I'll come back to it once I finish out the game. Hopefully I'll finish it out this week. We'll see. Um, at some point I did, I know I briefly mentioned it on the podcast the last couple times, is that I've been slowly going through uh, Red Dead Redemption on mm-hmm. uh, PlayStation Now. PlayStation Now. Uh, it, the bug kind of hit me, and when I went to Mexico, and for whatever reason, and I went through and I finished it. Um, that is a uh, good ass story, man. I'm very uh, disappointed in myself that the fact that uh, how big of a Western person I am in real life, I did not play this game, and this is a Western ass story. I mean, like it, it, it ends like uh, any other Western where the ending was not a, a good ending. Let's put it that way. It was a bad ending. Uh, you wow. know what I mean? And it ends like a like a fucking true western. You know, a lot of those westerns are, you know, it's always a shootout, the oh, okay corral type stuff. And you know, your favorite character may not make it. And I mean, that's that kind of thing on here. Don't expect it to have a good ending. Let's put it that way. Okay. Um, uh, outside of that, uh, I mean, I, John Marston's character kind of grows on me. You see the evolution of him where. He goes into the details about where he was um, always trying to find his way in life, and he was stuck in that previous gang that he they've been tasked to hunt down so he can save his wife and son. And him coming to terms about like 
he's tired of doing this shit. It's always him doing some bullshit, and he's always paying for the mistakes in his life. And he's like, he's going through as he hunts down his his old uh, uh, people from members from his gang that he's going to change the ways. You know, once he get, finally gets his wife and son back, he's going to change the way he is. He's not going to. That's all of us, right? We're going to get right once we get back on top. Because he always felt like, yeah, he could have been a better father, could have been a better husband, and you know, he sees it now and he knows what he needs to do. And it's pretty cool because when you when you when you get to the very end of that game and you you get to the climax and you get to the point where you beat it, you get that aspect of him wanting to change his life. That's like the last few mission chapters where you go through and he's bonding with his wife, bonding with his son, and making an effort. And you know they they're they don't believe what you know. He's always been cool with his wife, but his son takes it with a grain of salt because it's like, yeah, you know, like this ain't you. You know, you're just going to end up just leaving and doing whatever you want again type of stuff. He holds a lot of uh, bitter resentment and you have to kind of like balance that and show that you're trying to make changes and stuff like that. It, it, it's pretty good. I like it. I like it. I, I ended up liking it a lot. I mean, the uh, gameplay wise, nothing ever really changed most after that. I mean, you do follow the missions where you do help uh, other people out. But I mean, at the end of the day, yeah. you're running down like uh, members from your previous game. Um, I yeah. played it what two years ago when it came out on backwards compatibility, and uh, I got to Mexico as well, so I got to about to the same point. How much further is it from there? Um, Mexico is uh, the beginning of the, the not even halfway through the game. That's part oh, of wow. the start, that's part of the start of the two thirds because you got to go through Mexico and then you got to go back to uh, New Austin again for the the last third of the game. Wow! So if you get right to Mexico, Mexico is a huge place. Because you, you go in there and you kind of do your overthrow of the government like Santa Ana where they have the whole, uh, they got you playing both sides. So like mm-hmm. you're trying to find uh, Javier Suela who uh, might be hiding uh, Bill Williamson. And uh, Irish, which is the guy who helps you get over there. He kind of like, <laughs> Irish is always a funny character because he's always like, he's always drunk. He doesn't remember. And he's <laughs> like, he's, and he's so vague. He's like, it's like, yeah, whether I had fun with this guy or he was bad with me or, you know, vice versa, I, I don't remember the details. And it's like, it's always like one extreme to the other. It's never, yeah, this guy's cool. He'll show you what you need to do. This guy's probably going to help you or he's probably going to kill you. I can't remember. I was drunk at middle the Middle ground. It's yeah. It's like, there's <laughs> nothing in the middle. It's one extreme or the other. That's right. all he remembers. And he, he can't differentiate the two. He's like, yeah, he could be either or. So it's like, he's a, he's a funny guy. You never see him again in there, unfortunately. But um, you help overthrow the Mexican government down there, and it's kind of like their version of Santa Ana. And it's like you see the whole, uh, like that Che Guerrero type stuff where it's like a revolution and the people is always like one group of people takes over for another one and trying to make things better, and they become the person that they hate type of situation. It's like you see that in there. You're just there trying to fucking do your job, and you're getting pulled in all this bullshit. And he's like, and it kills John Marston. He's like, I just want to get my sh- do my shit and get out. And he's like forced to help people, and he's like, and they're like they're always championing him like the, you're the champion of the people of Mexico and he's like I don't want you to do that I'm just looking for fucking Javier Suela and Bill Williamson he's <laughs> like that's all that's all I'm here for I'm not trying to run a revolution I'm not trying to make changes in life he's like I'm he's like he's trying to get back to his own life I mean that's the whole balance in there so I mean I enjoyed it the story was really good um, I did pop in Red Dead Redemption two and and I think that's what it made it better for me for Redemption Red Dead Redemption two mm-hmm. because even in the beginning of the game. There's a bit where you have to look for John Marson uh, in the story. Um, and there's references of what happened in the first game about, like, there was a botched uh, uh, robbery that kind of broke up the gang. And that's where it kind of takes place at the, the second game takes place after that robbery was botched. And, like, nobody knows what's going on. And in and, and the first game, you kind of allude to, like, Dutch is crazy. And you kind of see that 
that insanity kind of starting to roll in him in that second game where he's starting to get that. He's like he's running like this cult and like because the second game is a prequel, right? It is a prequel. Gotcha. Like you know, in the first game, John Marston realized like yeah, basically Dutch ran a cult. He got out of that mindset because he he was stuck in that whole mindset because he, you know it was a group of him that that you know Dutch took him in as orphans and raised them. So right. he's like yeah, do anything for Dutch. But he's like he saw that how how Dutch really was. And so, like, you, you kind of see that that turn for the worse in the beginning of Red Dead Redemption 2. I just thought I pick up stuff on there when I when after I beat Red Dead Redemption 1 that I because I try to do two. And I was like, oh, it's a prequel. I'll go through two and then go through one. It's not a big deal. It's a prequel. And I for whatever reason, I didn't feel right. So I stopped. So when I went through, I started over in two again. And there's a point where Marson uh, goes missing. And then you have to go find him as uh, Arthur Morgan. And Arthur Morgan's not in the the first one at all. So something happens okay. to him in the second one. Uh, but I guess you'll figure it out. He gets Javier Suela to go find John Marston. And he Arthur Morgan doesn't want to do it. And Javier Suela's like, well, I know if the if the shoe was on the other foot, John would do the same thing for me. And it's like, oh boy, Javier, don't you know in that first game? <laughs> he looked for your ass and got your ass. So I was like, <laughs> technically you're right. There's like little little stuff in there that they throw in there. Like I was dying laughing because I was like, oh yeah, he looked for you. Like the shoe was on the foot and he found you. So like, That's <laughs> awesome. There, there's some stuff on there you can easily miss. I kind of like a good uh, callback. Yeah. Um, outside of that, I mean, for whatever reason, unbeknownst, unbeneath me, I never had a, a an inkling whatsoever. And I, I, for whatever reason, I fired up Far Cry Three Classic on PS4, which is a okay. That's random. A port of the PS3 360 game, which I've never played. I've I've always seem to buy a Far Cry game because I always seem to like get sold on when I see concept videos like this looks great and I'm when I actually play it I'm like eh. and you remember one- that sorry to cut you off do you remember that E3 presentation we went to where they showed off uh, Far Cry 4 on PS4 oh yeah. yeah and they were like get a buddy pass you can play co-op and you were, we sold. were like yeah. hell yeah, <laughs> yeah I still want to play it if you want to play Far Cry 4 I'm down man I want to give it a I'm shot down. yeah three I enjoyed the hell out of it it was good I actually beat it to completion um I, so I, what did, what did they do with that one on PS4? How how is that remade? Um, I mean, it's just a re, it's just a basically kind of like what they did with a. It's not even it doesn't even look as good as Assassin's Creed Three on PS4, where they kind of went back and put HDR and redid the graphics. It's basically okay. just a port of Three on Four. It's just playable. It was something that they gave out free when you bought the expansion pass uh, season pass for Far Cry Five. It was that whole thing of like, hey, buy the season pass for this game, That's you right. get to play this classic one on there. That's what they've been doing, kind of like for a lot of the Ubisoft games. Uh, I enjoyed the hell of it, man. I, the, I actually enjoyed doing the tower bits on that game more than I did uh, the Breath of the Wild, ta- Breath of the Wild tower bits, which uh, I can see where Breath of the Wild kind of pulled some of that tower stuff where you had to unlock some of the map. That's mm-hmm. that is in that Far Cry Three. As like you go up there, there's there's platforming bits. So like in the beginning when you go unlock the towers, you got to ha- they you basically start this game where you you're on this vacation with your your two brothers and your uh, college sweetheart and it's like you don't know the occasion you're just in a vacation in uh, in the pacific ocean somewhere outside of japan in small islands where they had kind of like a battle in world war ii and later on you get into a mission where they kind of go into the detail where you a lot of the chinese and japanese were having battles on these islands and you find artifacts you get a lot of uh, historical um, from that because you have to do some uh treasure hunting on there um you get you get taken in by this group of people who are running like this drug cartel and sex slave trade on these islands and you get pulled in there and all your friends are getting kidnapped and like he, your brother grant he he's an ex-military he's like he leads the whole thing like oh 
he's going to save the day and blah, blah, blah. And he gets shot in the neck and dies. And so you, you get to play as uh, the, the middle brother who gets thrust into this and has like he's just the party guy who's irresponsible. And he gets thrust into this whole thing where he's tasked to like save his uh, younger brother and his friends. And um, it's 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 pretty fucking good, man. It's there's a lot of analogies in that story that are like it feels like Alice in Wonderland type stuff sometimes. Cause like even when you go to the boss battles, it's like fucking um, like one of those Cowboy Bebop or Samurai Shampoo episodes where you're like they always seem to have like one drug episode. Like they're on drugs. Yes. And it's weird. Yes. Every fucking boss battle is like you're on drugs. It's like like I can't tell if it's real or if it's all in my head. And it's like oh. you know. And it, it and it's real because as you go through the store normally, it they make references like, oh, you killed this person, but I couldn't. I thought it was all like you're you're having these drug induced battles, like you're fighting multiple copies of this one person, like it's like he's from like he's fucking Naruto making a cloud, uh, a clone ninjutsu shit on there, like making multiple versions of himself. So I don't know what's real or not, and what just fucking happened. But um, it, but it, it is very like uh, Alice in Wonderland, where like you go in there and we're all mad type of situation, and right. it's pretty. It's pretty good. You get from this character who develops, and I think you know I'm always big on story. And the story's not very huge, and it's very basic. And it could have been like shot in as a 2000, early 2000s action film, that you know that kind of puff piece that we usually get back in the days, where it was just like, eh, you know, it's, they're all the same, they're cookie cutter. But um, you actually see some growth from this main character where he he's like this party kid, and he takes up this responsibility. He doesn't want to kill people, and he ends up doing it, and then. He starts to become what he hates. He likes it. So he's like, he's in there like killing people. He's like, fuck yeah, you know, like take that shit, you know. And he's like scaring his friends. It's like, dude, what happened to you? And he's like getting all these <laughs> these tattoos on his body or giving them different powers. And that's how you lock your skills. And it's like every time you unlock a skill, it grows another tattoo on your arm. And, and like his his girlfriend comes up there. It's like, what's happening to you? You're like your personality's changed and you have all these tattoos. And he's like, he's like embracing this part of himself that he never knew and he's completely like different it's it's pretty fucking good um but to get back on the tower bits like there there's tower bits like breath of the wall where you go up to these towers and you unlock the cell phone and you unlock pieces of the map and instead of it being like a you know breath of the wall doesn't go that far into it there's you know there's only a certain amount of towers it kind of goes overboard in this game there's like 20 towers but each tower is different so it's is not it like, like Assassin's Creed where it unlocks part of the map and shows you items and all that? Basically. It doesn't okay. show you yeah, it does kind of show you items. But but each tower is different where you have to like the first couple ones you just run up the ladder and you unlock it. As you go through the different towers, the difficulty changes. So there's like it's a first person game and you have to do platform aspects where you're like jumping you gotta like jump on these beams and climb these ropes and you if you fucking miss it, you're falling to your death. It's like the difficulty on these towers grows immensely, and there were some that really had me cursing up the fucking wall. I but, see what uh, you mean by towers on, um, yeah, on Breath of the Wild, because those were actual challenges in of themselves. Yeah, like you couldn't just go straight up it like I do on Assassin's Creed. I think the challenges were better in Breath of the Wild, but I can kind of see where like a lot of this inspirations where Breath of the Wild might have pulled some of the stuff. Might have. I can't speak for the developers. Gotcha. I, I can see some allegories because, you know, we can sit here and argue all day about whether or not Mario Galaxy pulled anything from Ratchet and Clank. Miyamoto said it did. <laughs> but, you know, here we are. There's still gravity and it's still there's some stuff on there that's very similar. But, right. There's some but, similarities. Uh, even though he's like, he's even though he came out there, like, I never even heard of Ratchet and Clank, which I thought was funny. <laughs> He's like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> but, uh, and there was a picture uh, of Miyamoto at the Sony E3 booth that year playing Ratchet and Clank. <laughs> yeah. But um, 
Yeah, man. I mean, I, I ended up joining a lot, man. I actually sat there and I think I, I think I play. I think it took me like 15 hours. It's a 15 hour story. I went through and I beat it, and it um it did not play out the way I thought it was going to play out. But it was it was good. I liked it. Um, it's pretty short. I, I can see. I get after after this, I can kind of see what the Peel and Far Cry games are. Um, I can I can see it. I'm definitely down to go to four. Um, I remember not hearing a lot of good things about five because it seems like to change the formula up a lot. But I figured by then it would need to be changed. So, okay. but yeah, yeah. I mean, that out of those three, those are probably my biggest games played this week. Um, I, I mean, I did some small ones here and there on the Switch, but like I played the new uh, Hatsune Miku. But I can sit there and go. I mean, Hatsune Miku's Hatsune Miku's rich <laughs> bass, it's songs, and I'm sl- I finally gave up my Animal Crossing addiction, like we talked about uh, pre uh, pre show. Yeah, uh, kind of in the same boat. I am 100% into finishing up Xenoblade Chronicles 2 right now before the first one comes out. So that's pretty much uh, – I'm, I'm going to use my success of like Red Dead Redemption and just mention it and not go into details about it because it seems like I was finally able, able to get over that hurdle. Because, like, let me not talk about it. Let me just see if I get over it and go through it. I'm yeah. going to probably say the same thing about Xenoblade Chronicles 2, and hopefully I'll just end up beating it. So, But, yeah, that's pretty much my games played this uh, past <laughs> couple of weeks. So by me gushing about a uh, black flag, I'll never play it again at this point. <laughs> no, well, the same mentality. I I'm, I don't <clears> think <throat> I I don't think you ever had an issue playing black flag. I think for you would be Assassin's Creed Three. It always seemed like you always did three. I played so I was gung ho for the first one. I was like, I like the Prince of Persia games. This is going to be it for me. And it was just repetitive and boring. So I've tried to play Assassin's Creed and I've tried to play Assassin's Creed 3, which are regarded as, I think, the worst ones to get started into. So I'm all about some Assassin's Creed 4 right now. It's awesome. Yeah, 2 two was the first one where I, I never got into 1 and I think I got really into 2. And 2, that made that whole big deal about the birth of the Assassin because they were like, they made that analogy where you're like, you birth a you birth a new character. It's like a new franchise. It's like it's a redo. You know, you forget one. You know, two is completely different. And, yeah. And you know, when I went through two, that, that mentality is a lot better. I, uh, I, I, but I do enjoy that whole modern day story and the Ezio arc. Uh, very much so because I mean you, that whole Ezio arc. That. The whole Ezio arc is perfect. I mean, because you you're there when he's born and you're there when he dies. I mean, it tells his whole, whole story over three games in a movie. So. Because when he dies, it's the final uh, movie called Embers. So, but um, which is not a game; it just kind of closes a loop and yeah, ends his story. So, but it's uh, I yeah. If, if you enjoy four, I think uh, through I think the Ezio trilogy probably the next one to go through to that you enjoy story wise. I think the biggest uh, complaint would be you would see some gameplay uh, um, innovations that are in four that you'd be like why am i doing this in two or why why do i jump like if he fucking keeps jumping the other direction that's not the direction i went to you know the yeah. stuff that they kind of cleaned up as they went through these uh generations that may turn you off that might be what turned you off so you have to be a little bit patient when you go through with them and just be aware of it that it's not going to play i can't exactly be you know you know how we are on this podcast we can jump in between generations and like i'm not going to fault the game for that i'm not going to yeah. dock it i'm going to realize hey this was, you know, three iterations of that engine before this one that I jumped into and liked. I'm, you know, I got to play this for story and realize it for what it is. 
but a lot of the stuff that you're playing now, it's like a, a lot of that stuff's in the Ezio trilogy. And so it's like whatever's been cleaned up, it's been cleaned up in four and expanded upon. But a lot yeah. of the stuff that you like, that gameplay types, all that, it's there. So it's not like cool. it's not like you won't it won't be stale enough for you. I mean, it should keep you. It's more it's varied enough for to keep you pulling around. Where versus uh, one had that, like you said, one was cool and all, but it was it seems to be more repetitive on the game the gameplay types. Yeah. It's after a while you're like, eh, and it's like the story was okay. Uh, it seems like the whole overarching story with all tier it gets a lot better in the portable versions, and um, it kind of closes the loop with all tier and uh, the Ezio trilogy too, because in that last game with Ezio, he's following all tier's footsteps, and so you, you have to. There's certain aspects where you you play as all tier again in that game, and you're like. Holy shit, you know, this is what he did. Oh, cool. Like, the characters you ran into the first game, it kind of showed how their growth and everything. You're like, oh, God, he, like, he married this person? You know, like, I never would have seen it happen. You know, like, there's people in the, from the first game that you're like, oh, he had a relationship with this person? You know, this is what they're doing? So, if you, if you can find some way to, like, watch a story from one, like a like a shortened version, and get an idea where, where it went to, there's a lot of people, YouTube videos out there that does it. Yeah. You probably get the same uh, enjoyment from. I it. thought I saw somewhere that the beginning of two, they kind of recapped the events of the first one. Uh, it's been a while. I don't uh, possibly. Gotcha. Yeah. All right, man. You ready to wrap this thing up? You're done with games played? I'm 100% done. I can sit here and talk about Assassin's Creed and and fake Prince of Persia games that'll never happen. And they just get canceled all day long. I know we talked about that one on the last episode. How good it looked. <laughs> All right, uh, you can find us on Facebook as of the posting of this podcast, most likely. But Maybe. I just I just read it has to be bridged off of somebody's personal page, so here we go. <laughs> you can actually find this podcast on iTunes. Spotify. Google Play. Overcast. SoundCloud. Stitcher. And iHeartRadio and wherever RSS feeds can be found. We're also on Instagram and Twitter as no podcast. We're going to try to grow our brand. So someone's going to be more active on those accounts. And we're also going to be on Facebook. So find us there too. Not happy about it, but it is what it is. I'm cringing. We're, we're to this point, sir. 113 episodes. It, it makes sense. Cause at some point we're going to have to get on there. Cause you know, there's some, there's Facebook gaming streaming. So we gotta, we gotta grow the brand. We uh, we have relied on our 25 to 30 re- listeners every week. Thank you guys for being there yep. and contributing and everything else. But we're trying to be bigger and better and provide more content and any avenues that we can follow to do that. It would be ignorant at this point to not turn over those stones. Yeah, and we give it a hard time. But at the end of the day, me and you both have a work and personal life, and we just have to look at Facebook like that. I mean, it's just we have to consider that as work and just harbor no ill feelings for it. I just wouldn't do anything That's personal it. on it. That's it. This is like purely a work platform. Yep. We can do that. We yeah. talked ourselves into Facebook. I can't believe it. And here we go. I've been, I'm not posting my life on uh, Facebook. <laughs> no podcast <laughs> posting his life on uh, Facebook. So. Yes, we will. Story. All right, guys. Thank you for uh, bearing with us as we get through another two week gap. Um, hopefully next week we're ready to go. I think we're going to get back to a weekend recording schedule so that maybe that'll help out a little bit as far as um getting into a more of a pattern this has been an adjustment for us just as much as it has been everybody else life-wise so we're learning as we go thank you for being patient with us and and supporting yeah, our content 
yeah, I think the positive thing on the weekends, we have a far bigger recording window. So if we need to record in the mornings, we can. Yep, we can do that. And the light is at the end of the tunnel at some point because I've got a dedicated space here. I'm building a studio for us. We'll be able to do anything we want to do. If we fall on our asses, it's going to be on us. So He is uh, building a uh, room that collects farts. There's no windows. There's no uh, air ventilation. There's nothing. That was two weeks ago. Tonight has been fartless. It is easy going, even though I did uh, two weeks ago. I wore out this candle. As you can tell, it is no longer lightable. <laughs> Holy shit, that thing it was... It was uh, entire room of farts two weeks ago. <laughs> Good thing we were doing Skype calls. All right, anything else you want to answer? Uh, nope, that'll be... That's it for me, you know. Um, find us on Facebook. Oh, God. Cringe. Under no podcasts. Uh, and one of us is going to have to do uh, Jin Ken, figure out who's going to do the personal bullshit. <laughs> Whatever, we can do it. All right, guys. Uh, I'm more one of us will create one called uh, Steve Steve Smithinson and just link it to there. Where it takes. Thank you guys for joining us uh, this week, and we'll catch you next week. Bye. Adios. It doesn't have to be a whole lot, and then we'll test it from there. All right, you're recording the call now. Yeah, the signal went to straight shit when I hit that, too. You like you dropped down to like 240i interlace. Is it still bad? It's choppy. Um, I'm on Wi-Fi down here, too, though. Maybe I should hardwire it. I'm going to get a... When we're able to, I want you to check out my setup, and we'll kind of optimize what we can do here. The Orbi has seemed great, but I'd still like to hardwire at least this room, even if my game systems game system seem fine on Wi-Fi. You just did the you just did the Homer Simpson thing. I did what? The Homer Simpson thing. What it do? <laughs> you ever seen an episode of The Simpsons? <laughs> I was frozen in that one pose. Let me see if I can find it. How do I stop this? There it is. I've only done this 19 times.